This edition of the Old Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Schleck. We're joined this evening by our classmate, Brett Peckis, company E2 and B1. I'm also joined by my co-host, Holly Fishburne West. Right. Welcome to the Old Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Schleck, and welcome to our two uh, esteemed classmates tonight, Brett Peckis and Holly Fishburne West. And so you guys, you guys are there, and I think we got a good sound check with our classmates. So welcome, everybody, to the Old Grad Podcast. Cheers. Hey. Holly, you were getting ready to guess what his uh, walk-up song was going to be. Was that one of your guesses? That was not my guess, Brett. I thought you were going to play, uh, I really kind of wanted you to play Build Me Up Buttercup. Ah, it's a good one. Or, or the song, or the song that you sang to your wife at your wedding. I was hoping it was going to be yeah. that one too. But yeah, I did go over both of those. This okay. one got a little bit more. Uh, it, it anchors and hooks into West Point. Yep, and Chicago a little bit. You kind of have yeah. all your things in there. So okay. you sent you sang a, you sang a, a song to your wife for your uh, at at your wedding. I did. That's impressive. Mark did I that did. too. You guys are impressive. Yep. So can you I carry can a tune? You can carry a tune, Brett? You, you can actually sing? Yeah, I, I do okay. I mean, I can sing along pretty well. And so what was key is, you know the song Brandy? You're a fine girl, what a great wife you'll be. And uh, I don't think I know that song, now. Yes, oh, you're... you totally know the song. Okay. Brandy, you're a fine one. What a good wife you will be. I have to listen to it. I have to hear. It. I'm gonna have to look for it right now. We're gonna play it in a little bit. That's right. that's my that's my youngest son's go-to karaoke song. Really? Mm-hmm. Go-to karaoke. Who, who who? Kyle's. Kyle. That's Kyle's now. It's become his go-to karaoke song. And so I think he sang it for you, Brett, at the wedding, didn't he? Or he, he wanted yeah. to go up and yeah, sing it totally. with you. Yeah. Totally. So Jamie, one quick note yeah, about sure Brett. Is. We're gonna hear lots of stories about Brett tonight, but. Just can so you, you know, hear to, we can't hear it. Can you hear me? Oh, can you guys hear I, that? No, I think you got to share your screen to do that. Do you want to hear it real quick? Sure, if you can play it. I could play. I could probably find it on YouTube, but I could play it and share it on my screen. I got to take it over here. Done. It's easy. Jamie, you're gonna know this song in five seconds. I can't hear the. I can't hear the. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know the song, but I can't hear it. You're, you're the way that you're sharing your screen is uh, not with the sound. So, anyways. Anyway, here's here's a quick tidbit before we get started. Hear all of Brett's stories. Brett actually caught the garter at my wedding. Wow. Yep, that's a pretty cool story, huh? Little tidbit of trivia. 
And that was uh, New Year's New Year's Eve of 1991. Is that what it was? 1994. 94. Okay, 94. Yeah. Nice. It was. I kind of feel like Mark shot it at me. Uh, <laughs> however, you know, I, I am pretty athletic. So, I mean, making a move. I think he dove across to get it. For sure. I knew there was a, a lucky lady that was going to be the recipient. Uh-huh. You know, and speaking of weddings, we have to talk about the wedding that has recently taken place. The 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 uh, among the royalty of ninety one, the house the house of Wests was oh merged gosh. with the with the 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 Duke the uh, the Duke of West Point was married to the Duchess of uh, Denver uh, recently, which is John John Rob's daughter. It was a wonderful event that was also on New Year's. So, uh, and Brett, you and I were both at that, and it was just it was just a an awesome affair, wasn't it? Oh my goodness! You know, as you get, I think as you get older too, you start to get a little more sentimental, and I sure do on um, families, kiddos, and to be at this event and to witness the birth of this new family, right? Of these two kids that, like, I knew them when they were little, and we'd see them in Army Navy, and then I know their parents and. I mean, I was, my heart was so full the whole weekend, just so thankful to be even a part of any of this. It was, it was spectacular. Spectacular. Yeah, it really was. It really was incredible. What, what a, what an awesome, what an awesome event. And it was so great to, so great to be able to be a part of it. I was barely a part of it because we had COVID in our house. We're, we're swabbing every morning, making sure we were clear because my daughter had COVID and Pam and I were both clear. So we just went on, um, the morning of, we just said we're going, and we did it. It was great. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. and then we had, uh, I think, the final count. If you count the night before when we had some people come uh, to the Blake Street Tavern, I think we had a total of 21 classmates there. So it was like a mini reunion. Oh, totally. And what a blast yeah. that was, too. And speaking of karaoke, I mean, so there was karaoke that night because the West family is at 12 <laughs> – Minus the Fishburne side of things, are amazing singers, right? Like, like that's what your I spoke to your dad uh, uh, and your mom, Holly, and they said, "Oh yeah, all that talent comes from the Mark Kentucky, side. the Kentucky side of the family," is what yeah. they said. Yeah. Oh, do you remember when they did acapella for Holly's uh, um, retirement ceremony? It was incredible. It was incredible. I mean, I, I want to get home. And, I want. I want to get voice lessons for my kids when I went home. I said, "Listen, all, all four of you, get <laughs> get in line. Let's get this thing together. Get your shit together." Oh. Kyle is actually the lead in the high school musical on this weekend coming up. He's Gomez from the Adams family. Wow. Yeah. So pretty cool. And he, what, what year is he in? Is he a senior? He's a senior. Yep. Yeah. And he, uh, he, and eventually he and Brett's son, and I know we'll get to this, are going to be both playing sprint football. Brett's son is coming right in and Kyle is going to take a prep year, go to a civil prep school. We're waiting to hear where, where he'll get in this week. Um, and then they'll both be playing on the sprint football team. Wow. Northwest. Phenomenal. So another, a new era of, of, of West Point cadet uh, uh, being connected to our classmates. That's, that's well, great. And you know, I don't think uh, a lot of people know this, but John Abercrombie's youngest son, Ben, is actually the kicker for Mark. And so Ben is, uh, he's going into his junior year. Another another um, former uh, attendee or um, interviewee on the Old Grad podcast, John Abercrombie. So that was one of the one of my 
like in the first year I was doing it, he was one of the people that agreed to go. That was a that was a really good podcast. I felt yeah, that was a great one. He was telling I, I, just, I remember the one story he was telling about how he brought his future sister in law to five hundredth night. That that was <laughs> that's crazy, you know his. So that that um, and then he ended up marrying her sister. So yes, his plebes his plebes sister is who he took to five hundredth night, and then he ended up marrying. Or it was a plebe in his company. He ended up marrying the the plebe in his company. Who did was, you hear the story, Brett? I don't know if you know the no. story. So he goes in to inspect their room and it actually, I don't think it was his plea, but his plea was the roommate of, of um, his former wife, basically. And so he goes in to inspect their room and he sees a picture of this girl's older sister and and he made, and probably made some remark. that was maybe considered um, not appropriate in 2022, like, Oh, you got a hot looking sister or whatever. And so she said, oh, she's here visiting right now this weekend. Would you like to meet her? And so John met this woman's sister, or this, this cadet's sister. They end up going to 500th night, not hitting it off, right? Not having a great, I mean, they did, they was okay, but it was like, and they kind of parted, they parted, you know, as friends or whatever. And then four or five years later, uh, John Abercrombie is at Fort Polk and meets his former you know, plea, but it wasn't his plea, but and they get connected and then next they fall in love and they get married. And so now he's got to navigate this relationship with the in-laws that has previously <laughs> been soured <laughs> by the 500 night date. So that was a pretty interesting oh my conversation. Gosh. Yeah. I, I wonder also how many of our classmates have kiddos that did go through. At West Point? Yeah. Well, that's I a know, knowable I number. When I've got that. I, I, we, um, cause we give out the plates this past year. We had a number that graduated. I think we had six that graduated this last year and all total, I think we we're probably at close to 20. It might be like at 17. Um, but yeah, I've got a list of all of the classmates who've had kids that have gone through, uh, Mark Beeger, Mark Beeger has a son who is a junior. So he's got three who he, he had three Ken chase, all three of his sons, his, he's got a son who's a cadet right now. I think he's a senior. All three of his sons went through. Um, wow. Mark and Milan Shatton, they've got their two, they're right. And then their youngest mm-hmm. daughter, I think, is is thinking about it. Yeah. So so there's a number. There's um kind of cool. That is cool. It's cool for us because we get to see people coming back. Right. Yeah, it, it um it, and Brett, your son has accepted a nomination and he's gonna an admission to go to West Point in this upcoming class, right? He's just correct. He's a senior. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I think tomorrow his boots arrive so he can start getting ready for road marching. All right. And I do know the only other one. So if anyone else is on the line and listening, I the only other classmate I, that I know whose son is coming directly in is uh, Brian Melton, and oh, his son's right. doing a civil prep, and he's coming in. So. That's all I know. So if you're listening tonight, type in the chat. I, I can get someone at West Point to pull it up for me. Um, normally I do that in, in May once all the once all the acceptances have come in. My little daughter, Mary Claire, is doing the summer leadership experience this summer. All right. See what happens. I, she may, may or may not uh, decide to go, but that'll be yeah. one of the things that adds to her experience to make, to make that decision. That's great. I always say that's a that's a key component of it 
it's got to be an interesting dynamic being a parent. I mean, obviously you both know, like trying to figure out, do you oversell it, undersell it? How do you make sure that it's their decision? Uh, like, how do you, how did you balance that uh, for each of your kids that have gone or considering going? I, well, so I can tell you what we did with Lou, and it actually is kind of funny. It goes back to a story my dad told with his dad. So my grandfather is an immigrant from Lithuania. Um, they're in Chicago, and my dad was the first kid in, to go to college. And so he had an offer to go play football at Northwestern. And the coach turns to my grandfather, John Petkus, and says, so what do you think? What do you think? Uh, what do you want Bert to do? And he turned to Bert and said, son, this is your decision. This is not my decision, right? And, and I remember my dad telling me that story and he kind of brought that up, I think even during my experience. And so that's, that's been something that I've been trying to be very, very transparent with you about, that this is your decision. You do not want to go to West Point um, for your dad or your mom. You wanna go there because you wanna go there. If you wanna go there, we'll help you with the process and um, help you along, but and make sure that you get exposed, so you can make a really wise choice. Is this something you want to do? Because it's not, it's not easy. It's not, and it's not for everybody. Um, and you know, I think um, uh, Lou's coach, his sprint coach, Mark West, had a just uh, one of the wisest lines ever. And I think this applies to anybody going to college, which is try to get on site and see if those are your people, right? Like, do you? assimilate with that culture with people that are there like are you comfortable not just looking at it but feeling it in your heart and all those things and so Lou had a chance and it was brutal was um COVID how it just really restricted probably the last two years of kids going in their ability to really explore West Point SLE was remote right and and I will say I thought the academy did a great job of uh, pulling that together instead of just canceling it, that they sent them things to do. And so he was engaged. He had a chance to do it. And, and then Lou had a chance. He went with us up to Holly's retirement ceremony and just had a chance to get on the post and see all that's going on and with that school. And, um, and so I think that was where he's like, yeah, I want to do this. Right. Um, I really want to do this. Um, and it was interesting too, Jamie on his, uh, on the application, when you see, like, so I'm, I'm wanting to help him. You don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to work or not work? Um, there are certain things Lou had medically that he's had to get through. And, um, but what was exciting was to watch him have to, on his own, organically explain why he wants to go. And so he just kind of called out that he wants to serve, that he wants to learn leadership, and he reveres West Point for its kind of leadership instruction. But then one attribute he called out that I – just never, we'd never talked about, he said, I want to have the same relationships my dad has. His, his friends, their relationships are so, those bonds are so tight and it, seem, and it seems really unique. And I don't see that everywhere. And it seems to be, to have originated from that place. Um, and so, and I, I and he, he esteemed it. Um, so I, I'm not, uh, so anyways, we're, we're tickled about those findings, because I'm like, I think those are things that all of us can relate to. I did not think that going to West Point, I would end up having all these unbelievable relationships, like, because I didn't have family that was in the military. 
Um, and I'm kind of curious, Holly, did you see that with your dad? Yeah, I did, but I didn't really, uh, I think I, I just, it didn't sink in that that was what was going on. You know, I knew my dad and I knew all of his classmates. And, and of course I had grown up at least since fifth grade at West Point. So I had seen that environment and I had seen kind of um, people interacting. And so I think it was very comfortable for me. Uh, I, I knew, like you said, Mark said, they're, they're kind of my people. So it was just something that, that felt comfortable for me. So, um, so yeah, but I don't think I kind of said, oh, I'm going into to go and meet all my best friends. Um, right. Yeah. You didn't see that at all. And Jamie, I'm not sure if you were asking also, um, hey, what, what advice do you give? Like, I, but I do think it's get them exposed as much as you can if your kid has an interest to explore it and find out like, is that, is, does it make sense? And go through the process. Like going to SLE, we didn't have that when we were going. Right. What an awesome experience. It's so wise. The process seems to have matured um, and, and improved over time. Well, we'll see, I'll see what happens with uh, Claire if she gets into SLE and what, what happens. So it'll be interesting. But, you know, taking it back to the wedding and seeing on the floor all those, all those young lieutenants and captains oh dancing and, you know, yeah. new, new, like wearing, you know, br like brand spank and new Ranger tabs. And, you yeah. know, because Keegan, Keegan's a first lieutenant, but he's got friends that are captains. So they're right in that sort of 02, 03 range. Yeah. And Brett, you and I were marking the next morning. We're like, wow, like seeing that is like, it was amazing. It was like, like, a, like a, looking, a looking glass that converted by years, looking right. at ourselves at, yeah. that, at yeah. that age. And it was yeah. like, and then you say to yourself, like, I'm, I'm part of this. Like, I, right. I feel so honored that I am part of this thing. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's yeah. why you're right. Even that next day, you're just like, wow. Uh, yeah. It's one of the things that I have found from being at West Point for so long. And, and that's what I felt at the wedding is so I had gotten close, obviously, to both Keegan and Lexi's classmates. And then to also have all of our own classmates there. So it was, it was like you said, Jamie, it was this um, combining of these worlds now. You guys got to see what I get to see, which is these lieutenants. But at the same time, it's one of the things that you love about West Point because you are, it forces you to reflect and reminisce almost every day. Cause when you see them, it makes you think of all of your memories and all of your friends when you watch your kids kind of go through it or other kids go through it, like you saw at that wedding. So um, yeah, it was a pretty neat, neat experience for all and of it us. It had to be especially fascinating though. You're planning this wedding with your classmate, you know, John, Rob and Patricia, Rob, Right. So, so that that's like totally unique that, you know, yeah. you've got two classmates who have kids that are married each other. It's like that's why I mentioned it's like 91 like royalty. It's joining the two houses of 91, you know. Right. So we just figured out and someone at my work told me when we got back that uh, in Hebrew, there is a word and the name of the word is called Matuchin. And he said, oh, you and John Rob are now Matuchins. And I said, what do you mean? And, and it's interesting because he said in Hebrew, there's a relationship for the grandparents and how are the grandparents relating? And, and he said, it makes sense because you, you know, we will share a grandkid. 
someday, hopefully. And so right. we do have this relationship. We will have this little offspring. And so I, I looked it up afterwards and in, there's another word for it in Spanish. I can't remember what that is. But so we saw John and Patricia about a month ago down in the city. And I said, oh, my Matuchin, because now we're, we're related. We've got a term. <laughs> you know, I live in the town of Matuchin, New Jersey, Matuchin. There you go. Which it was actually the name for uh, a Lenny Lenape Indian chief, Matuchin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So how about that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of reminded me too, like you, you guys were what B and E. So there was a ceremony that we did back in the day. It was only for C company, F company and I company. It was when you would circle around the um, Thayer statue and the old grad would lay the old uh-huh. grads would lay the wreath on the on the Sylvanus Thayer statue. It was the one and only parade that I actually looked forward to. Because it was like you're looking at these old grads walking up and they're looking at you, you're looking at them. And it's like this, it's that same kind of like generational lens between between the two. And it's really just kind of a magical ceremony. I think they still do it, but they may not do it with the CF&I companies. I think they do it with an even smaller staff of folks. But um, that that was a pretty... um, a pretty moving ceremony that happened every, every year that we got to participate in company F1. Yeah. It's um, my, they still do it. And I don't know what companies they do it with. Here's an interesting perspective. My dad has always said when he worked at alumni affairs and he was the director of, of the alumni affairs. So he helped coordinate the reunions and he always said, I can see where I'm going to be in, in 10 and 20 years and where I was 10 and 20 years before. And so he said, I've got this visual. So he said, it's, it's humbling because when you, when you start seeing the older people, you're like, I guess that's going to be me. And he said, it's a little sad when you see the young people and say, that's not me anymore. Um, But he said, again, it's that chance for reflection because you really do see yourself when you see those reunion classes come back. I always feel like when I see somebody, I immediately think I'm 10 years younger. Like I identify yeah. Like I'm, I see like a young family. I'm like, oh, yeah, like seeing them putting the kids in the car, or like bringing the bringing the, you know, the, the baseball bats, the T-ball or whatever. But then I'm like, that is not me. I am done. Right. Yeah. Like <clears throat> Little League is over for me. There's like all that's all that stuff is finished. I'm like, like now I'm like, you know, 50 something moving on to the next stage. I'm like, I guess there's some 63 year old looking at me, identifying with me that way, you know, but. So you want to feel really old. I just heard today, um, and I can't release any names or anything, but I've just heard today that the the two to three people that they're looking at for, for the next superintendent, and it's not a 91 person, at least right now, or at least the names I heard, but they're 90 and 92. Mm. So now, how young do you feel? Wow. Right. Yeah, because General Palmer seemed like he was, I know. A, <laughs> he was a fossil. He was yes. like... That dude was like ready to hit like one leg in the in the crypt, I felt like. Yes. And now that's us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's going to skip over 91, huh? No 91 uh, soup. I think our 91 guys are, are hot shots. You know, now with D.A., you know, D.A. just got picked up. Uh, he's getting his third star. He's going this summer to be the the J3. I was just telling Keegan. Keegan was like, so what does that mean? He's like the 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 S3 for the army. And I said, no, Keegan, he's the S3 for all armed forces. I said, he works right for general Milley and he's going to be the J3. 
So, so that's kind of badass. So now let me ask you a question because you know when you get older, I'm looking. I'm, I notice these things. Like I, ma- I imagine, like if I were in the military right now, if I was, if I was had to get dressed up in my class A, like getting all cleaned up and everything, like you had like you had trim your nose hairs, trim your eyebrows, trim like your your ear hair. Like we didn't have to do that when we were cadets, right? So we need to have an intervention with hey, General Jamie, Miller. You have, you have ear hair. Yeah, I, I, look, I, you, I, 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 let me tell you, I, I have a, I have a little tool that I use to like, <laughs> like buzz it off, you know, I'm totally but, kidding. I'm with dude, you. Same we problem. need to have an intervention though with general Millie and his eyebrows. Have you seen that dude's eyebrows? Yeah, he does. They are like, he has like, like, it's like hamsters, like uh, over his eyes. He needs like, some he, waxing. He needs something. Man. You could like repel off those things. Like somebody needs to like, like, this is a message directly to the new J3 of the Army, uh, Lieutenant General D.A. <laughs> Sims. You need to have an intervention with your boss. Standard. He's got to trim those things. So they're like five inches long, I think. Those got his eyebrows. And he always has that scowl. So he needs to he needs to trim them because when they're bushy, then you're looking at him more. And he's when he's scowling. Think about it, like who's going to do so that? talk about cleaning up. So so you guys will get a kick out of this. It's good. It's a good, bad story. So Becky's dad recently passed and, um, and so we're going through this and, and she has three siblings and she's the youngest of three. And we find out that um, we knew Dave Ferris was a retired colonel um, in the reserves and that he had requested um, a gun salute and the plaintiff taps and flag. But the problem was there was a disconnect with the, the funeral home manager and all of a sudden, we, I thought there's going to be a lot of time. There wasn't. All of a sudden, the families want to make sure this goes right away. And, um, and I called John Cook, and I'm like, you got any advice? He's like, advice? I got this. We're done. I'm going to clean up. I'm shaving. I'll be there. I'm going to take care of the flags. I'll make sure there's a gun salute. I'll do, I mean, he had 24 hours, and uh, John Cook rallies and wow. shows just so large, right? Yeah. So much. And those are the things that are like, you can't plan for that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was unbelievable. And, and this, the, the three uh, kiddos, Becky and, her, and, and Matt and Sarah were just so touched by yeah. these flags and the grandkids and then going through all of his awards and explaining what they were. And um, it was awesome. But, but he did. A lot, of, a lot of people have seen John recently growing out his beard, but he cleaned up. He cleaned, he cleaned up. up. Good for him. I will tell you to everybody who's on the line, and someone just sent this reminder out on, on something that I, I was on, but um, I will tell everybody who's on the line to make sure that your DD-214 is somewhere where everyone can find it. Um, and if you are worried about putting it anywhere, AOG will keep a record of it. Oh, so wow. you can send it to That's AOG. Great. They will keep a record of it. So and that, that was a problem. That's a great yes, That was a problem. It is. You as well to, as what was his disposition at discharge? Was it honorable? I mean, most yep. you'd assume so, but you got to, how do you show that? Right? And that should be, everything should be on your DD-214 and you need that for any sort of military funeral uh, to get the flag and to, and then you can get that to the local unit that, that it'll happen. So that's everybody's homework to do is to go find your DD-214, make sure it's in a place that everyone can can locate it if needed. And those of us who've been activated and reactivated, there's more than one. You get yes. all your DD 214s. I got two of them. There so, you go. That's uh, kind of cool. So yeah. I found, you know, I didn't grow up in a military family. My dad served like, 
I think, um, um, 10 months or something in the Naval Reserves. Uh, but after, of course, this experience and everything, we're going through some old stuff. I find my grandfather, John, who I talked about before, his honorable discharge. And this thing's from, gosh, like, what's the date on here? 1911? Wow. So it's, it's handwritten on both sides. And, and it's amazing to see the different things and ways they evaluate. And they actually call out one of the, um, one of the lines, right? So you got name, first name, rank, you know, all these things, battles, skirmishes, wounds in service, married, single, remarks. But there's a line that says character. And it's blank, meaning like somebody's got to state what this person's character was. And so you look and I'm like, oh, geez, what's it going to say? And it says, excellent. So I'm like, all right, way to go, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's on these forms anymore, right? Now the honorable discharge doesn't really have all that. Right. Info. It's just we're all, we're all honorable, hopefully. We should say hello to our classmates. We got we had 18 classmates, up to 21 classmates on the line at any given time here. So I, I'm I'm just gonna call out a few names that I saw in the in the chat feed. I can't quite see everybody who's on there unless you chat. But uh, we see uh, Heather Burris is on, uh, Cliff Bork is on, Scott Clemenson. He just also let us know that there's 22 legacy cadets and 22 cadets in the academy currently. So 44, oh, wow. 91 legacy. Uh, Alex Rogers. Kami Ayanako says that uh, Jack Petraka's uh, daughter is coming in next year. Oh, good. So um, Paul Smolchek, uh, Craig Morrow, Kirk Swanson, Brian Mackey, your fellow December grad. Uh, is yeah. it, you know, we have a special thing here because with Brett and be between Brett and Holly, we have the full West Point experience, right? So you've got prep school represented. You've got the four years of West Point. You've got staff. You've got December grad, you've got um, core squad athletes, you got staff at West Point, right? And parents and to be parents. Like the, the, I think there's no other iteration, I think, of like experience. So we can get to talk about all those different things. I'm really, I'm really excited to be able to have the, the only other one that I've had on the podcast, like you, Brett, that has checked so many boxes was Ingrid, Ingrid Powell Dawkins, who. Oh, yeah, who's your your fellow company mate in B1 for oh, yeah. second semester, uh, first year? So, I, grits, grits. I gotta love grits. She's the best. She's the best. Oh, yeah. So, so give me the lay of the land. Yeah, I'm, by the way, we're half an hour in. We haven't even like really talked about the here and now, right? So, let's, let's give me the here and now. Where are you living? What are you doing? Kids, wife, the whole thing. What, what's sure. the story? Sure. So Becky and I have been married. I think we're coming up on 22 years. Um, four kiddos. We're we've been in uh, Texas uh, since 2014, which is kind of funny, Jamie, because I remember coming to West Point and all the guys from Texas were always like, "Woohoo, Texas!" And I was always like, "Look, take it easy. You don't hear me yelling about the land of Lincoln, and you know, and there's something I could be saying about the state of Illinois there." Um, so just, you know, take these, that'd be like the John Robb, all these guys, Roan Reed, all these guys are from Texas. So in 14, when I actually let a few folks know that I'm going to Texas, all that crap came piling right back. Like, uh, now you're moving there. Like you were giving us trouble all this time and now you're moving there. So yeah, so we've been here since 14 kids, uh, as, as we talk about losing senior, 
right? So he's the one that um, can't wait for uh, uh, our day. Not the one that'll be. <laughs> then I've got two juniors, twin, uh, identical twin juniors, Joe and Jack. Uh, again, amazing kids, doing well in school, playing sports, um, playing football, I think, in one of the toughest, um, gosh, one of the toughest programs in the country. We have the quarterback that actually left early, left as a junior to go to Ohio State. You guys remember that story last year? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, quite quite the program here. Um, and it's fun when they all go to, uh, when they make the playoffs, they all dye their hair blonde as a tradition. So I had these three like blondies cruising around the house and it's been a, a riot. And then my daughter, Samantha, is a freshman. Um, so we've got four in high school right now. And, uh, and, and she's this beautiful little athlete. She's playing uh, basketball and um, and then also just made the varsity lacrosse and varsity um, softball team, which, as most people know, are in the same season of spring and navigating all those challenges and just loves them both and the friends and the coaches. And we'll some point have to figure figure all that stuff out. Um, Dude, that's a super tight shot group you got. You got a senior, two juniors and a freshman. Oh, yeah. That's Holy exactly cow. what I call it. Tight shot group. So we, you know, we got married kind of late and we were in Chicago and I want to say we were like 32, 33, right? And, and Becky and I both wanted to have big families. We just had, it just took a while to find each other. And, um, and so we got pregnant right away with Lou and Becky's a nurse. So she's got this stuff figured out. And uh, um, we, uh, and, and a bunch of our um, buddies are having trouble getting pregnant, right? Um, and a bunch are in town, like, Dutota's in town, Leones are in town, um, Chambers, a bunch of folks from all in Chicago. Uh, but we get pregnant with Lou and we're having Lou. And then we're like, you know, if we want to have more kids, we should probably keep trying again. And we try again and then bang, twins. And they're like 15 months apart. And, uh, and it was funny, Otto, um, Otto came up, he gives me a call. He goes, Brent, you'll never believe this. We're having twins. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. We are too. He's like, you know, why do you have to, why do you have to rob me of that joy? You're like, what are you <laughs> twins, like, that's just, you know, BS, Petkus, leave it alone. I'm like, no, no, really, we are. <laughs> you believe me until you saw Becky. Um, but that, then we had twins and her, her, uh, these two boys, Joe and Jack were so big in her tummy, her xiphoid process popped, right? Isn't that amazing? Wow. Um, I need an anatomy course. What the hell is that? What's the zoifoid zoif process? I so it's just right at the bottom of your 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 rib cage, right? Okay. Um, and so it's just like little flexible end. That oh, yes, yeah, see that. Yeah. If kids like have like really bad asthma, it could pop out. I think when they yes, like, yeah, okay. there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there you go. So so anyway, so we're here. Um, we love it. We're in South Lake. It's uh, uh we're just we're pretty much due north of Fort Worth. 20 minutes from the airport. Um, and, you know, we moved here. Our kids were getting older and we were kind of doing some long range planning. And really this was a move to the suburbs. We were getting ready to move to um, move into the suburbs of Chicago because we wanted all our kids in the same high school and it looked like they might not, not be, which is kind of weird. Um, and so we started looking at the burbs of Chicago and then back had family here in Dallas and then she's from Kansas city. We ruled Kansas city out because of the airport. And uh, usually I'm traveling for work across the country. And so between Chicago and Dallas and um, got out a spreadsheet, did the math, and it wasn't even close. Came real, real easy choice on uh, moving down here. And we've loved it. I'm, 
We'll do this again in a second. Should have been here earlier. Um, Ryan Sharp lives there too. He he's from New Hampshire. He's a you know he's always been a proud like you know like uh, was it live free or die or something like right he, right. He is a proud Texan, a very very proud Texan. He keeps oh. on saying like that shit would never fly in Texas. That shit would never fly in Texas. Yes. Bigger in Texas. Yep. Yeah. So. No, it's been it's been great, wonderful. I, I just drove across part of Texas uh, when I was I was in Amarillo last week because I drove across go. the country with my daughter. So it was awesome. I drove I drove through Nashville, Kentucky, and I got to meet um, Tim Burham and his lovely wife Carly, and we yep. had a great dinner. Tim's an E two guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And so I've had a lot of B two people on this uh, on this call. So yeah, he very good was, company. I mean, a lot of class acts came out of E two, Jamie. You just yeah. I well, I I will remember that. I, I I definitely and was I um, uh, I, I just thought of somebody else. He wasn't an E two. I I don't think was Lumen Rolly an E two. No. No. Okay. Um. So Fitzy. Fitzy. Fitzy was for part of it though, right? He was an H two and then E two, right? Yeah, he, he was. Moved. They scrambled just to re rebalance the core, but they didn't want to do a full scramble. Yeah. That would suck though having them move, but yeah. I mean I'm sure that it worked out for fine for him. Oh my gosh. I remember he knocked on my door. He's like, Hey, um, hey, can I be your roommate? <laughs> we can give a shout out to Fitzy. What there's got to I mean, Fitzy's gotta celebrate St. Patty's Day, I would imagine, right? It's gotta be a big day in the Fitzy, oh, totally. in, in the Fitzy just household. had his birthday. Yeah, okay. His birthday is the same day as Keegan's. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so it's this week. I want to party on St. Patty's Day with Fitzy. That's I think that oh, would, that's, that's a, that's a must. I got yeah, I gotta gotta look call. him up for that. We were he and I have a photo. Do you guys remember when we got our first e photo? You put on all your garb and, and you're going through the line and and um they're taking pictures, right? And we're kind of next to each other. And I think he went first and I'm getting ready to go, and then we're getting ready to stop off because it's kind of one and go, one and go. And I go to the photographer. Hold on a second. Could my roommate and I get a photo together? And the photographer's like, well, that's not protocol or that's not. I'm like, that's okay. I think we can make an exception here, right? And um, uh, the photographer goes, yeah, sure, why not? So Fitzy and I have a photo that goes back and forth of both of us, right? In our in our class, I don't know, class A in our dress mess. Dress mess, yeah. Right? Oh my gosh, it's awesome. I think I saw, I think I may have seen that either at his house or your house. So yeah, it was at his it's in my house now. Speaking of dress mess, I saw all these pictures from Plead Parent Weekend, which is this past weekend, because I have a friend who's got a, a daughter who's a plebe. And um, did they have gray skirts when we were cadets, Holly? Was that Yeah, gray... we did, but we um we we really didn't wear them because our though women didn't wear the dress mess unless we were wearing it for parades or graduation. We always wore the full dress or the dress mess, which was the white jacket and the black skirt. So okay. at the equivalent of what they wore last night, the we would have worn the white jacket and the black skirt, and then the men would have worn the full dress and the gray pants. So we had a we had a gray skirt, and I can remember the first time that I wore it was uh, we had a, and you guys probably don't even remember this or probably didn't go, Brett. You definitely didn't go, but they had a. Uh, a homecoming dance, our plebe year, and it was in Cullum Hall, uh, and it was in the top floor of Cullum Hall, and uh, we had, I had just gotten back from a soccer game, and so some of my friends, it was Tracy Sizek and 
Sharon Leach and Sue Hennessy. And we were like, oh, let's go to the homecoming dance. And I remember it was the first time we put on a skirt. We actually put on like a little lip gloss and we were kind of like, woohoo. It was the first time we had even put on makeup and we were going to the homecoming dance. Like we felt like we were sorority girls or something like that. I'm not sure. That's awesome. That is awesome. You guys are great. Yeah, I, I saw the pictures of Plea Parent Weekend and I saw the pictures of the women wearing the gray yeah. skirts with the full dress gray over gray skirts. And I was yeah. like, I don't remember seeing that. I, I never, yeah. it just looked, it looked odd to me. Well, I also yeah. thought I saw it like uh, either 500th Night or Ring Weekend where they were not in uniform. They were in like civilian suits. That's 100th Night. And they, what they do now for 100th Night is they kind of figure they, uh, they want to send the firsties out and, and really the men, it's kind of making sure that they have one suit and they know how to dress. And so that's how, that's how it, the idea originated was that they wanted to make sure that the, the guys knew how to dress. And so right. they, they bring in all sorts of um, suit makers and they have a suit show in Eisenhower Hall. And so they can go in and, and pick out a suit, have it custom made. They get to pick out all the accoutrements oh, wow. to go with it. They got shoes, different colored shirts, different colored ties. And now of course they, the, they go all out, but then the women get to wear a dress. And so it's kind of a neat thing. They have, they have a cocktail hour in the mess hall before you go in. Uh, I got to go in with, the first time I actually got to go was when Anthony Noto was the guest speaker. And I hadn't gone up to that point. so. We went with Anthony and Kristen, and they, again, they have a cocktail hour before you take seats. So it's really kind of a cool event. That's great. So Brett, give me the story about where you work in for, what, what do you do for a living? Like, what's... Sure. Yeah. So I, so after five years active, I've been in healthcare ever since. So it started with J&J and several companies. I, I just started in June um, leading a healthcare professional team. So we've got a sales team that's calling on doctors, a marketing team, and other science and PhDs that are supporting us. Common novel uh, play, it's the clinical application of fasting. So there's been about um, uh, $40 million and 20 years of research into nutrient sensing pathways. And so it's not binary. And so typically you hear about a water fast, right? Uh, which could be prolonged fasting or uh, intermittent fasting, which is uh, 48 hours or less. Uh, that's kind of a common uh, idea today. And uh, folks can do that on their own, but we're also finding that uh, our products, the doctor uses this as a part of a program. It's uh, creating some really cool health benefits for their patients. Um, and so we're, uh, I'm leading a team that's introducing that into the marketplace. Is it, is it predominantly for weight loss? Is that, I mean, that's- No, the, that's the it's really market. for uh, a host of metabolic issues. And it's, the science is so uh, brand new and kind of cutting edge. We're still learning what are all the applications that this has. And there are numerous um, hypotheses that are being tested in studies to see how the body works. One that came out, there's an idea called autophagy. Um, this idea came, we had a Nobel Peace Prize for it, in, or not Peace Prize, a Nobel Prize uh, for the scientific breakthrough uh, that autophagy was in 2014. I mean, not, not too long ago, right? Um, and autophagy is this idea that your cells can self-heal. And so we're seeing the support for that after in a prolonged fast. So you don't see that with intermittent fasting, but you see it on prolonged fast. And so most folks can't do a five-day water fast. 
And so um, our products support a program that you do five days of a fast. Uh, it's, it's mimicking a water fast. You actually are taking some, some, you've got some soups and bars, but they're all specially designed so that they don't break these nutrient sensing pathways, IGF-1, mTOR, and PKA. And those are the three that tell your body you're consuming food or you're not. And so it, there's a threshold of amount of food that you can eat where your body, you're, you're basically in a biological fast, uh, to put it uh, probably accurately. So how long uh, am I supposed to be fasting for just to help me out? Like, should I do yeah, it every day or question. should I do so, it like... Sure. Great, great question. Some of this new, so it depends on what your goal is, right? So a lot of this came out of the literature around healthy aging. Um, and so the idea was, uh, first of all, if you, if I had a bunch of blood work done and my doctor got it, and he was all over the clinical application of fasting and products that would support that. He might say, if my, let's say my lipids were high or I had high blood pressure, right? Um, or I had some central obesity. I've, I've got a little bit of that. Um, or um, um, some other metabolic issues, uh, metabolic syndrome, like the, the several of these markers. He can say, Brian, I want to put you on a program. I want to see you do four cycles. That would be four months of a five-day uh, protocol. And at the end of those four months, let's see where you are. If you've seen health benefits and you've moved those uh, metrics, then we'll put you into maintenance where you're doing this once every 90 days. Um, and so that, that would be one approach or protocol that's being developed. There are some others that are coming out, Holly, for intermittent fasting. So prolonged, again, is, is two or more days. And so we've got a five-day program. Uh, like I said, five days and 25 days off. You just resume regular diet, right? And then five days on, then 25 resume regular diet. Um, the other one, as I'd mentioned, was intermittent fasting. There's really three core uh, approaches to intermittent fasting. There's time-restricted eating which is like uh, a 12-12. Um, and some of this used to happen all the time in our society, right? When we were a little slower paced, people would eat from six to six and they're done. And then from six to six, they'd go to sleep. And, or if they didn't go to sleep, they were fasting, right? Yeah. So they had 12 hours of restriction from food. Um, and so that continues to be an approach that's advocated for today because a lot of folks are snacking or whatever later in their they're not getting at least 12. And then there's 16, eight, you know, 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. Um, so time-restricted eating is one of an intermittent fast. The other one is a five-two, five days of eating, two days off, right? Um, and then another one will be alternate day fasting, ADF. So so what's your so your role is you're running the team that's deploying this technology and teaching doctors, and then they're ultimately uh, prescribing your, your products to the Correct. patients Correct. is covered through insurance or probably most. No, no, it's not. It's, a, it's actually cash pay right now Okay. for them. We're, we're real early on in that, in that stage, young company, we've been in the market four years. Wow. I think Bernie, I think Bernie Christensen is also involved in a similar space here with the, this engineered nutrition yeah. and whatnot. So he, he would be, and, 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 um, this might be an opportunity to give a plug for our Healthy Leaders cohort that's led by uh, Tracy uh, Sizek Fisher. And we, there's a group of about 30 of us that meet once a month and she kind of leads us through uh, best practices around, uh, around working out, but also around eating and engaging with stressful activities. And um, it's really been, for me, it's been really a, a tremendous uh, resource. 
to connect with classmates that way. And, and Brett, I think, what's the name of the company? We might be able to just kind of. Um, yeah, the brand is Prolon and it is available for consumers. Okay. P-O-L-O-N. Uh, the company name's El Neutro. Say that again. I think I stepped over your words when you said that. Yeah, the, the brand to look for is Prolon. P-R-O-L-O-N, Prolon. If you do a search for that, we'll, we'll, you'll easily be able to find out what's going on. And then awesome. we have on professional, and that's the group that I'm, I'm running. So in your, in your professional life, you mentioned in the pre-call that there have been plenty of opportunities where you've had to deploy what you've learned, leadership lessons and practices oh, yeah. from West Point, the Army, et cetera. So what are some of your, what are some of your experiences with that? Yeah, the, I'd say the first one is probably doing an after-action review. That is so uncommon, at least in my experience in every organization I've been in. And, and that is, is such a common activity to take place um, right in the military. Um, the other one's a rehearsal, like rehearse before you execute, right? And you'd be amazed how many times it'll be folks who've not practiced, they've not done a rehearsal, especially, especially if, it, if it's a complex rehearsal, meaning it involves more than one person, right? I can practice things all day long on my own. And that's not really, if it's just a one-on-one uh, activity, okay. But when there's multiple people that are involved in multiple timing for events, having a rehearsal is so important. And we've all kind of heard of dress rehearsals, but that seems to be more applied to shows than it is to execution of commercial activities or uh, or otherwise. So I'd say AAR, um, after action review, it, you know, it's interesting, the healthcare is called a postmortem, um, where they'll do an evaluation of uh, not an autopsy. I mean, it does. I think it's got application there, but of a, a medical-related activity. What was the course of care that happened with a patient, or what was the protocol that was done, and reviewing that afterwards to see did it have an impact um, on on what was going on. So that'd be one. I, I think the um, task organization. That idea that you've got different people. Like, no, know, know your role, right, and make sure that that's really well understood. Um, so that folks are, and they know where their boundary is. When do they hand off? When do they escalate, right? Um, and then, uh, man, I love the op order. That to me is, is just such a timeless document that creates so much clarity um, that when you think of any organization ever, right? Uh, you think about a document in an organization as old as the army is and as significant as that document needs to be, right? Because lives are on the line. Like you screw up communicating and executing a plan, you've got some folks that are not are going to be hurt or they're going to die. And so for me, I, when I thought about that context for an operation order where you know what's going on with the situation and you understand not just what the mission is, but the commander's intent, right? And you understand what's going on left, right, up and down. Um, then you've got, you get into execution, like what are we going to do and logistics and how much is going to be just uh, based on SOP that we all know or or otherwise, um, but uh, yeah, no, I think those those have been foundational to um, my success for sure. And Holly, I mean, you just started a new job, which we should mm-hmm. talk about. This is awesome that yep. you've got this role, but I imagine that you're seeing a lot of opportunity here as well as you, you know, 30 years as a military officer now transitioning into a senior advisor of leadership and development yep. in your company. What, where are you seeing these things deployable and what, what observations have you made in your first couple yeah. of months on the role in the job. So, so much of what Brett said, um, 
I was very worried because I didn't know, especially going into this civilian company, private equity, oil and gas, I was very nervous because I didn't think that I knew enough to go into this. You know, they hired me and I was like, okay, let's see. And within the first week I came home and I told Mark, I said, I didn't know what I knew, but now I know because I, I realized what they didn't know. And, um, and a lot of it is what Brett said, what I've been helping them with is their, is their task, their task structure, their organizational structure. Um, they don't have clear lines of job progression. We, uh, they don't have clear lines of communication. And a lot of it is they, they just don't know. They're a pretty new company. Um, and so they just didn't know they've been growing and all of a sudden they are having people who've been in the jobs for two, three years and they're looking at them going, okay, what's next? But I've talked to them a lot about uh, the term that they use now in the army is this mission command, which has to do with uh, the clear commander's intent and building the trust both ways. Um, and then doing that so that the people underneath you are, can take the disciplined initiative. They can take that initiative because they know the intent and you trust them. And so I have used those words so many times because right now there's not that clear commander's intent. So, so it's been super interesting. Um, I'm, I'm still learning, still learning about the whole oil and gas, which is really interesting in today's day and age, but uh, it's been I've been amazed at how applicable this my army experience has been in my job now. It's got to be nuts with Ukraine. What's going on with Ukraine and and your world in oil and gas, right? Because yep. that whole world has gone nuts. And we should just make a, just a quick note here too is that we have so many classmates that have retired in the last year or two, and I am quite certain that they're feeling what I felt years ago as well like when things were kicking off and I was a civilian watching on CNN and Fox news, like what was going on, this FOMO that you feel like, like, you know, right now there are people on alert. There's all kinds of shit happening and you're kind of on the sideline. You're not, you're not in the game anymore. And it's got to feel surreal. I think to our classmates that have had careers in the, in the army, uh, senior military folks. And so, yeah, and I think the, the interesting thing for me is not, you know, I have a perspective now that's not necessarily the in perspective. Um, it's probably more in than most, but I'm, I'm not sitting in those meetings now. So I'm not hearing the things that I used to be hearing. And so that's what's been kind of weird for me. Um, but then just as we were talking about all of the different generations and looking back on ourselves, uh, I think what's been the most weird for me has been the fact that now I'm viewing it from a mom and I've got two kids that one is going to Germany in three weeks and the other one is kind of being put on alert, coming back from NTC, getting put on alert and you know might be going over this summer. So, so that's been kind of interesting because it's a, it, that's a completely different dynamic um, when it's your kid. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of people listening that, that have the same, the same feeling and, and Brett, you're getting ready to get back go right into it. It's, I, I said, I, when, when my kids went in for our day, um, I equated it to, and, and it's kind of with them in the military, I equate it to the same feeling I had the first time uh, my daughter, my youngest, my oldest daughter was in a shootout, a soccer penalty kick shootout. And I had been in many of those in my life. And to watch your kid stand up at midfield and walk down with the ball 
and then walk in this completely silent field and put the ball down and have to take it. And I mean, my heart, I was so, I was so sick. I almost wanted to throw up. And it was because it was the first time in my life that I couldn't, I, there was no way I could help her. It was, she had to do it on her own and go through it. And I said, our day is this, but I wanted to take that pain. Cause I knew, I knew if she missed it, you know, anyway, she ended up making it. Um, going to our day, it was the same feeling. I would much rather have been going in myself than to watch my kid go in. But I knew that she had to do it when he had to do it. And so when you watch them walk off, I'm just going, hmm. and, and people uh, laughed at me, especially here at West Point, because I was, I was crying. I'm a, I'm a crier anyway. And I was crying and everyone's like, why are you crying? You know, exactly, you know, you're here, you know exactly what they're getting into. And I said, because I'm not doing it. And I know exactly what they're getting into. I said, and I wish I could take that away from them, but you can't and you need them to do it, but it's, it's just hard as a parent. Yeah, so I think I'm going to be bawling, but but not only because of that, but I think also because you're you've watched this child grow up and mature. Yeah. Now, kind of, there this is a real step towards adulthood, and and you know, moving into that new world on their own and that independence. They're not at home anymore, right? So, um, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm um, I'm reminded of of a moment that I got to observe you recently. It was a day after uh, Keegan and Jill's wedding. And it was the next morning. And it was so great. I got to spend so much time with your dad. He is, by the way, he's a trip. He is the best. And your mom is even better. They're, they're both just such great people. But it was, you know, Gus Fishburne and his, and his, his um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like his, all of his protégés, right? His, his children, his grandchildren, everybody uh -huh. there around having a breakfast. So it was, it was Holly. It was her sister. It was uh, uh, your brother, E.G. You two are grads. You've got nephews who are grads. You've got kids who are grads. Mm -hmm. And your niece and her boyfriend were, they were together for the wedding, but one was getting ready to deploy for nine months. Yep. And the other one was going to deploy during the middle of that for nine months. So it yep. was 15 to 18 months before they were going to see each other. Yep. And, and you had advice for them about what it was like to say goodbye at the airport. Like what, how, cause you had done it so many times you and Mark have done it. Yeah. And, and it was in a very emotional thing. And, and I was really just, yeah. just a, just basically a grateful civilian watching this incredible all American family, having to navigate this complexity of the awkward goodbye where, you know, yeah. somebody's going off to war. And so what was that like for you? Can you describe a little bit of the advice that you gave to your, to your niece about that? Yeah. Um, so my niece is now in Iraq, which is probably one of the safest places in the army and her husband or her boyfriend, hopefully soon to be husband. Um, he's going to be going now. It looks like he's going to be going in April. So they're, they're going to pass. And anyway, so yeah, I told them, uh, I think if I can remember what I told them, I was, I was emotional and I think I was more emotional than my sister because I knew exactly what they were going through. And what I told them was, first of all, it's going to suck. And I said, everyone's going to try to tell you it's not going to suck. And I said, it just sucks. And I said, but the first, the, you know, that saying goodbye, I said, you just have to do it. You rip off the bandaid and the first two days are, are the absolute worst. And I said, but the, 
the, the best part is the homecomings. And I, I think, I don't know if I said it, I was just telling someone else this. I said, I, if every marriage had to go through the homecoming, I said, we'd probably have a lot more marriages. But uh, yeah, they're, they're in for a tough haul this, this next couple of weeks. And it was, uh, I had forgotten, Jamie, that you were there. That was a big family moment. Uh, when we were saying, we were saying goodbye after we had just had this great wedding and we were saying goodbye because we all knew that Allie was leaving about a week later to go to Iraq. I, I was in awe. I was in awe. And I think the advice you gave was don't go to the airport. Oh, Say yeah. goodbye at home. Yeah. Say goodbye at home like it's a normal day, like they're going off to work. Yeah, like, stay in your bed. Yeah. yeah. That's what I just said. I, I, I made the mistake. First time I sent Mark off, I went to the airport and it was the worst thing ever. And after that, I said, okay, I'm staying in the bed. And so I had someone come and pick him up and he just gives, he gave me a kiss on the cheek and, and left. Like a normal day going off to work. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's just, that's just, I mean, I, I the, um, the sacrifice that your family has made, they, you know, the, the, the West family, the Fishburne family, I'm just in awe of it. I'm in awe of it. And like, I, th I think Brett, maybe you and I were talking about this. I, like, I, when I was mobilized for active duty, which by the way, I never went overseas. I was just, stationed away from my family i was down in the pentagon and so i i had two little kids at home and i was leaving them and leaving my wife who was pregnant um and so i remember um we were at a birthday party and i had to leave and i we're gonna have to leave as a, we're leaving because i'm leaving and they hadn't served cake yet right my little two-year-old son started to cry because he said but we didn't have any cake. Like we have to, why do we have to leave? Like, we don't have any cake yet, daddy. And like, like, and he was like kind of crying. And I was like, it, it broke my heart. Right. I mean, this is, I mean, by the way, such a, a, a such a small little sacrifice, like not even, you can't even, but the way that it hurt me that I, I, I felt so badly for him. I was like, he didn't sign up for this. I signed up for this. And like, and that was just my, my one little thing. Like, like, I wasn't even deployed. Like it's like irrelevant. Like I'm almost embarrassed to bring this up as like a, a, a motion, but like it's incredible what what your what your family has sacrificed, what our classmates have sacrificed. It's just incredible. I have nothing yeah. but respect, and it's in incredible. And the poor kids, they don't they don't sign up for it. You know, they're they're just born into it, and so then they they don't know any different when their moms or their dads go off, and and then they just have to kind of sit there and. Uh, navigate through it but but yeah so we're, we're getting through it Allie's doing well so that's good. a good reminder she's actually just been accepted uh, she was accepted I think then when we were talking about it so she uh was accepted to come back and teach in BSNL and she just got accepted into Columbia she's waiting for a couple other schools so when she gets back this summer she's going to be starting grad school and then we'll be starting uh going to teach in BSNL which is pretty pretty awesome and she'll be she'll be at Columbia like going to school going to school down there which is awesome too so yeah great yeah yeah don't you yeah. think though i mean the the do you remember like classmates that were um army brats like i always thought that they were the most developed like socially uh -huh. and as you start thinking about it they pretty much had to look, talk about a life skill of making friends they had to do that every what three years I was an army brat, Brett. So now you're right. telling me I was very developed. Thank you. Exactly. Very <laughs> you mature. You could tell. Very right. Mature, very <laughs> mature. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely they have to fend for themselves. And I think it makes their families closer. The, the, the family unit is closer. The siblings are closer yeah. as a result of those experiences. Yeah, because that, that, that all they have is each other when they move or when they go to a different place. I mean, that's all they have. So they have to rely upon each other for a long time. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. We got a little bit of a taste of that when we moved from Chicago down here because yeah. Sammy's second grade. Like Joan Jack were fourth grade, Lou was fifth grade. And it was probably hardest on him. But again, it was that idea of, uh, you know, one of the things came up was um, pushing or pulling. And um, he, he came home and it was, uh, um, you know, giving him some advice like, hey, lunch, right? This social activity at school. Um, you know, why don't you ask, invite a kid, to, you know, to sit with you so you can uh, take the initiative and, and have lunch. And he came home, he's like, yeah, it didn't work yet. I asked the kid to sit with me. And he's like, oh, I would, but I'm sitting with my friends over here. <laughs> and he's like, oh, geez, now what? And, uh, and it was interesting, though, when you think of the iteration on that was, well, oh, that's a great point. Maybe next time you go, hey, do you mind if I sit with you guys? Right? And who's going to stop you? Like, it's a lot easier to go join a group. Do you mind if I sit with you than pull one out from the yeah. group? right to come join with you and i i just think that's how you probably learned that early on right oh uh, yeah but that idea of making new friends like I, I have you ever met a stranger holly no when i when i got to germany when i first got to germany i didn't know anybody and i was in this aviation support battalion that was the unit was in the field and I got dropped off at the stoop of the guest house and they said, this was on a Friday and they said, don't show up till Monday. And I've told Lexi this and she's getting ready to go to Germany because, and she's so worried. She's like, I don't know anybody. I don't know anyone. And I said, Lexi, the first thing I did was get a bike because I needed to go around. And I said, and the next thing I did was I got a six pack of beer and I sat out on the stoop. This is no shit with a beer in my hand. And as people walked in, I was like, Hey, Hey, I'm How are you? How are you? Will you be my friend? And that's how I met people because I said I didn't know anybody. And I said, you just got to do what you got to do. Wow. That's awesome. So, Brett, let's let's um, maybe turn back the hands of time and yeah. talk about you, your journey to West Point, to considering uh -huh. West Point, 1985, 1986. What's your life like? Like, Give me the whole lay of the land. By the way, are you, do you have, did you grow up with other siblings or are you only child? Yes. Yeah, I, I grew up with a younger sister, two years younger. Okay, good, good. So you're so high we school grew up kid. in a suburb. Go ahead. High school kid, probably stud football player, uh, homecoming yep. king. What's yep. going played, on? Played, played football in high school. Although there were, um, there were three captains of the team. There was uh, Tom Beacom, who's uh, gets a full ride to Iowa, 6'2". Uh, 220-pound linebacker. There's Charlie Young, 6'2", 200-pound running back. He gets a full ride to Stanford. And then there's Brett Petkus, 6'2", 220. Kid's got a lot of heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just driving me nuts that I'm not getting recruited the way these guys are, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, what in the world? And, um, and really, I was a good size for a linebacker, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of small for a lineman. And I had such a chip on my shoulder at the All-State game. Like, I go to the All – not the uh, – I guess the All-State get pulled in, and we have an East-West game for the state of Illinois. 
And I'm meeting all these guys that are maybe two inches taller, three inches taller. And I'm like, I'm just going to be knocking the crap out of you. Like I just had like during that game, they're like, what's going on? I'm like, I got something to prove, right? I, I'm not getting the recruiting you're getting. I got something to prove. So, um, so I, I was interested in playing football, but I also learned a lesson. Like uh, it was a pretty, it's a big 6A school, big program. You had summer school, kind of mandatory football and all that. And I told my coach, he's like, you want to play in college? And I'm like, I'm not sure. And I probably should have reserved that conversation for with my dad and not that coach who's been leaning into me and, and wanted to see me go do stuff. So I might've hurt myself there too. Um, but then I also wanted to serve. And I don't know where that came from exactly, Jamie. Um, I, it, it was funny. I actually had a Marine recruiter come to the home um, based on, I think, some I did during like the high school college selection process and had me take like the Marine equivalent of their SAT or whatever that was. And, um, and I finished the test. He comes back later. He's like, you've got one of the best scores that we've ever had. And uh, we really want you to come in. And I know you want to, you're thinking about being an officer, but why don't you enlist first? And it was interesting because the two things that went on for me was, well, first of all, if I'm already coming in at the top, like that's not the kind of organization I want to join. I, I want to join one where I'm coming in towards the bottom and you guys are helping me grow and get better, right? Instead of coming in and being at the top. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know exactly what that, uh, test was it just it was not it was not very I don't think it was not even an SAT grade no I think it's the ASVAB ASVAB yeah because that was that was I, I didn't yeah. um and so I I just had this itch to serve but I thought the army navy game I literally thought that was guys in the army against guys in the navy I didn't understand the difference between enlisted and officer I didn't I I kind of heard the acronym ROTC but I didn't know what that meant Right. And then, you know, and I, when did Stripes come out? 1985. What a great recruiting video. For, oh, uh, for it's Army, fantastic. Right? <laughs> right. With Bill Murray. And I mean, and he's a Chicago guy. Right. So I love him. I love the movie. The, the, the Navy, the Navy had Top Gun. We had, we had Stripes. Right. Right. right, right totally. Right. And uh, for me, it was Private Benjamin. <laughs> what? Private Benjamin. Correct. Well, that was later. Like that was in 86. Yeah, yeah, but the, I was younger, remember? Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so, anyways, when, when I started going through this process, and then I got to know, um, then all of a sudden, our family had a friend who was like a grandpa, and his name was Mister Lawler to me, um, because you know he was retired and he was in the civilian sector. What I didn't know is he's actually a former Army football player. So he all of a sudden he's now I'm like oh wait a wait what. And he's now um, painting this picture for what it's like and what it can be like. And, you know, what was the biggest hangup I had was the five-year commitment, which in hindsight, like I feel very differently, but I'm like, wait a minute, I go to the school for four years. I want to go to college. I know I want to go to college. So we're good there. But then I'm committing for the next five years. So you're looking for a nine-year commitment today. And I don't even know what I'm doing this weekend, right? So for, for me, that was really tough. Although I'll tell you now with, with kids that are interested today, and even what I said to Lou is, it's actually not that big a deal. It's really a good deal. And here's, here's my question for you. If you're considering going and you're worried about that commitment, well, when you get done with college, do you think you're going to work? Oh, yeah, you are? Okay. Do you think you're going to work for a couple of years? 
<laughs> or do you think you're going to work for at least five, right? And so all of a sudden, I think it becomes a lot more um, understandable in the context that, no, you have this job. And in fact, I thought the junior officer experience was unbelievable, totally undersold. Like that, that's where you learn about an op order and planning and coming to a unit and leadership and be a platoon leader with probably an E7 that's been there for 15 years in the Army and and that, what can you learn and how's that relationship? So um, that that's how it all kind of came. And then I ended up having an opportunity to go to prep school. And because it was such an unknown for me, I'm like, okay, I'm sign me up. This is perfect. I don't lose eligibility. I get to play football. I get to check out what this school is all about and, um, and kind of go from there. So, um, and then I remember getting to prep school and, and meeting uh, my, my mom and dad are like, uh, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, good. I'm like, do you have any friends? I'm like, yeah, I'm a bunch of guys here. I got, uh, uh, Anthony Noto. I got, uh, Anthony DeToto. One of them's going to go by Tony. We're not sure which one. Al Leon, right. Uh, Dave Romano, we got Brent Bourne and John Cook, uh, Craig Romanowski. And they're like, my, my mom's like trying to write. So all of a sudden it's like, no, no, who's, who's no, no. And Joe Tonona, wait, wait, Bob, wait, who? So getting all these names straight. It um, was was Joe Tonona a prep sir? He was. Yeah. His kid's a super duper football player. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Starting in Notre Dame, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's he's starting up uh this fall. And his brother works at SoFi. He's like That's the right. one of yeah. he's like one of uh uh Anthony Noto's like yeah, Billy. Henchmen. Billy's yeah. just great. Billy yeah. and Stan's. Joe's right in the middle. I think Stan's the oldest. Right. And then uh, Billy and and, uh, and Joe's in the middle, and then Billy's the youngest. So, so who is in the prep school company with you? You, you? you said Dave Romano. He's my company mate. Greatest guy. He Roe yeah. is the best. Um, yeah, who else? What, what company? What so company were you? Char I was in Charlie Company at, at prep school. Uh -huh. uh, Joe Pruth was my roommate. Like, talk, talk about oil and water when we get to prep school, right? Mm. Uh, and I love Joe to this day, but we're very, very different styled people. Um, he comes right out of the military, super strapped, knows how to shine boots. I'm like, okay, show me the way um, on, on that. How do, you, how do you shine a belt buckle? Uh, and then I had the pleasure of John Pomeroy. Um, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. John was just great. And his, his dad, I think, was special ops. Yeah. Was yeah. Great, right? John was so in B2. He reeked of that. Awesome. Again, you've got like, how about um, Mark Potter? Was he in your company? Yes. Mark was Potsy. a roommate too. Mark was a roommate also. Oh my gosh. That Mark, guy is so California. Oh my gosh. Famous. Just some of the best stories. I just saw the him best. and hadn't seen him forever. He is the best. He was in my company. Yes. And uh, he is the best. Yeah. Him and Ray. But I, so who are the prepsers in your company, in your cadet company at West Point? Um, Gosh, that's a great question. So it's going. So this goes to my theory, which is is it's relatively alphabetical. I'm listening. Peckis, Romano, Potter, uh, Pruth, like Pomeroy. Yeah, yeah well, Pomeroy. The, the prep school companies were alphabetical. They were A was like A through G, but once they got to West Point, they weren't. So P, you had Powell. You had Ingrid Powell. Yeah, Ingrid. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh but then God. I think they distributed them across Bill Marshall, the corps. across uh, the Corps of Cadets. It was also alphabetical. I think generally it was alphabetical because 
I don't think so. We had a we had A P we had A M P. Okay. A and P in ours. Because we had Romano. Well, actually, we, we had Romano and Potter, but we also had Baxter too. So yeah, you're right. They kind of breaks yeah. that theory up. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, there's like these three subcultures from the the general subculture of prepsers. There's three subcultures, which is your athletes, your prior service, and then your academic uh, folks that you know we need another year of of polishing or whatever. That those are the and so. So you were basically just a high school kid coming in, being corrupted by all these prior service folks that were that were there, right? That they're exactly. all the one, they're getting the beers for you guys. They're telling you what to do. Here's here's how to hide stuff behind your Footlocker, like right. that kind of stuff, right? yeah. yeah. No, Joe's actually the opposite with Joe Prude. Joe was like straight and straight and narrow. Okay. It was everything I could do to help him kind of loosen up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was young. I was I was seventeen as well when I graduated high school, so I needed a, a year of maturity. Um, but all of a sudden, you get to prep school and you have seven hundred dollars a month that you're getting paid and no bills, right? And I mean, it was just lots of fun, <laughs> lots, lots of fun. I wish I had had the foresight to go down there myself when I was a senior in high school because I was like not far away in New Jersey, right? And just be like indoctrinate myself into that culture and get to know people oh it was grand yeah grand. yeah so then so then you guys had a great prep school experience you become real tight with all the football guys otto and totes and anthony noto and and um Tenota, went, Cook, all those guys Winowski, born so then when did yeah born dog another one for my company born dog so so then you guys called him Tiny at the at the prep school, but that name didn't stick. We called him Born Dog when he got up to West Point. But then, so when you guys, did you guys all go to our day as a, as a unit from prep school or did oh, you? Like yeah, we went in like early and it was really interesting. You knew you had, I mean, that, that I will say was such an advantage because you knew what was going on. You'd been up there, right? And, and that was the best part of, for me with prep school. I'm like, I get up to this place and I'm like, unbelievable institution great people and great resources. Why would I not want to do this? Right. So for me, it was real easy when I was at prep school, once I got a taste and understood what it was about, I'm like, absolutely. I want to do this and you'd be nuts not to. But when we got up there in our day, Jamie, it was, um, we were all, we'd already gone through like that awkwardness. Like I remember at prep school, remembering to take a hat on and off when to do that. Like that's a, that is a really challenging thing when you're not used to doing that, right? Inside or outside of a building and having it still on. And that, those simple things, we were getting beat up and banged up on, you know, when we were at, at prep school. So, and you went through, you went through some basic training, but it was just drill and ceremony. There was no range. It was just PT and drill and ceremony. Um, so you, you had enough indoctrination that we were just so far ahead. So they processed us all, I think, early. So we're all in our in our rooms just waiting to see who our roommate's going to be. Now they actually have changed it, and the uh, the prepsters go through a lot. They do a lot more military training. In fact, they do, during their, their equivalent of these barracks, that three weeks, they go out for like three or four days in the field. And then sometime during the year, they go out for like a four or five-day field exercise. So oh, they that's do- great. Yeah, they do quite a bit of military training, so they're even that much more ahead 
when they get there. You say that's great, Brett, but it's 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 got to suck for them being up there at West Point. Lou just made it home from work. Oh, let's see him. He's working. He's working. Can you say say hello to? uh, He got his hair cut. Jamie Schleck. You guys have any advice? One in the frame. Hello. What's going on, buddy? Move your head down a little so we see who you are. Yeah, awesome. Well, congratulations on your acceptance to West Point. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. Got to lose some weight, right? You got to start cutting that weight for Coach West. Yeah, start running. <laughs> yeah, start the running. I know. I'm. I'm starting to every every morning. Start getting up, going for runs. That's good. That's good because Coach West, he still does it when they show back when the when the boys show back up overweight out in the summertime. Not necessarily for the new cadets, but the sophomores, juniors, and seniors, if they're overweight. And he, they don't have to be of weight, but they have to be, I think, under 190. Anyone who's over 190, they have to go on Coach West running program. And that's getting <laughs> run it with Coach West until they lose the weight. And so they typically lose that weight pretty quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Don't forget to have a good time, though, between now and uh, whenever that is, July 1st, whenever you show up. What, what day is our day? June 27th. June 27th. Well, you have a good time between now and then. Be careful, yeah. be safe, but uh, and and uh, we're we're very proud of you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. All right, boys. Good night. Good night, big man. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. That that is that is that that again. Looking in the mirror, right there. Looking through that right? lens, oh. that, that generational lens. That is fantastic. Um, so, so Brett. By the way, we've been talking for an hour and 23 minutes. I try to keep these into it under an hour and a half. We're going to go a little long tonight. Sorry for everybody that's listening, but that's fine. Record. Jamie, I yeah. like setting records. Yeah, I, I get it. You, you, you set some, some great records at West Point, too. So let's talk a little bit about those, too. So you, um, you were on the, on the football team all four years. Correct. Had some ex- like, give me like just a couple nuggets of memories that you have. What are the... What are the memories that you have of like those classic football games or the football weekends, like the, the things that you just, when you lay in bed and you think about those times at West Point, what, where, where does your mind go back to? Well, the, a couple of them were like showing up as a plebe. And so I, I was a defensive tackle and uh, that's when I played prep school. And now you're having to earn, I mean, it becomes really obvious you're going to have to earn a place. Right. And you're on the, the um whatever ruck squad you're basically the mock defense for the offense and just give it everything you got because you got to make a name for yourself and literally same kind of thing where the starting old linemen that oh by the way our firsties or in the core cadets somewhere like you're giving them everything you got and when someone goes hey ted take it easy and you're like okay well, one there might be repercussions back in the in, in the core, uh, but number two, I'm not taking it easy. Like, I want to be on the field playing. I'm trying to make a name for myself right now. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Ben Barnett um, and Dave Foyer. So Dave was like number two behind Ben. And so, you know, you're playing defensive tackle, you're reading the triple option, and a lot of times the D tackle had to pick up the fullback. And so Dave Foyer, I hit as hard as I could. And then he'd go back and tell Barnett to go knock the crap out of me because I just hit it for gay. So then I got Barnett just trucking me. Um, but then got to um, earn my way up. Then I had a conversation with 
one of the coaches there. So remarkably, a guy named Jay Robertson, and this goes back to some of the recruiting stuff that took place. Jay Robertson, finally, I have somebody come into my house to recruit me. He comes to my house, talks to me for two minutes, talks to my dad for like two hours. And I'm thinking it was going to be the opposite. Like, wait a minute, why don't you have any interest in me? Well, come to find out, Jay Robertson actually played football with my dad at Northwestern under Parsesian. And so what was fascinating about it is Robertson was there to look at Young and Beacom, those guys I mentioned earlier, saw the name Petkus and goes, wait a minute, this kid's pretty good. Let's, he's not being recruited. He's not on my radar, but let me go check him out. Um, And so that kind of started some of the recruiting stuff going on. So then now it's spring ball. We're about to have spring ball, um, right? uh, uh, Freshman year. So I went through the falls of defensive tackle and he basically is like, Brett, you got a chance here. It looks like if things keep going the way you're going, you'll start on defense as a senior. However, we're a little light on the offense. Would you be willing to move over to offense? You might be able to start as a junior. So I went over on spring, moved over, made that move to uh, playing tackle. And I'm behind Mike Karsanovich and like three other guys. And I'm building up Mike's a starter. Uh, and I'm building up, building up. And then I get the preseason and I'm right behind Mike. And then Mike gets hurt, bangs up his knee. So I end up getting to start as a sophomore. And it's just like, wow. I mean, no, no, there's no way I would have scripted that. There's no way I would have known. I could have said no to moving over to offense, right? But then I get to be in the some opener and, and just had a blast. At the, uh, so tell, tell, me about, tell me about when Mike Mayweather ran right up your ass. Oh, my gosh. So we all know Mike, right? Heisman candidate as a junior, as a senior, and his yards after carrier because he hits the crap out of people. We're in practice one day. And, uh, and all of a sudden, like, whack, I just got hit right in the rear end. His helmet, like, so you imagine when I'm blocking, my back's parallel to the ground, my butt's out there. He nails me right in the butt, and he breaks my tailbone, my coccyx. So I get up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Mike. Like, first of all, there's a gap on each side. Like, why well, you got to run right up my Tarski, right? So we've had a lot of fun with that. And he's here in Texas. Like, we see each other. Every now and then, it's great. All right, Mike. So then, Brett, how much weight did you have to gain at West Point? Oh, I was eating as much. I I could. I had the hardest time gaining weight till I was about a junior or senior. Like I started at sophomore year, I think it was like two forty, two forty. But that was the, that. I think it was that season when Mike nailed me in the tailbone. And then what they give you the the to what do you do when you have a broken tailbone? You can't sit. Right. So they gave me this clear inner tube, right? That now I'm like, okay, so first I blew it up in the in the barracks and walked the class and everybody's looking at me like, why am I carrying an inner tube to class and giving me trouble? So then I'm like, well, I'm gonna blow it up in class because I don't need people to see me carrying this thing in the class. And then I'm blowing up an inner tube in class. And now the professors are like, what peck is, what are you doing, right? And then I'm sitting, I'm now sitting on an inner tube so I'm six inches taller than everybody else like, I'm just standing out like a sore needle, sore thumb. Um, but what, what a blast. And, and I love giving Mike trouble about that. What was your highest weight that you got up to? I think like senior year, I was probably like 280. Wow. And you came, when you started the prep school, how much did you weigh? 220. Wow. Yeah. Senior year, I was a, high school, I was 220. Prep school, I was 220. 
Yeah. And then you have to cut weight to get in the army, right? Because it'd be able right. to, yeah. yeah. So what? And it, it, actually, the first part of that wasn't so hard. Like going from 280, like I was, I mean, I was purposing to eat so many calories, right? Because you're burning them so much. One, we only slept like four to six hours a night. Two, you know, you've got three hours where you're working out at practice. So to maintain weight, like we're pounding food. And so just cutting back to a regular, I mean, I was probably doing 10,000 calories a day in calories. Um, and so just coming down to 3,500 was right. Like a, all of a sudden. I, I have to, I'm going to, I'm going to break stride for a second. Cause then, yeah. cause then like a year and a half later, you're in ranger school, summer ranger school, one meal yes. a day. Like, yeah. And I got down to 198. Your body is like, like what a, what a, yo-yo your body's going through right totally and now he's and now he's selling fasting products i wonder why yeah. <laughs> exactly so, so you ended up because well we're, we're going to jump back to your first year but you ended up spending another semester at west point i did so, so then you end up being a little bit delayed getting into obc ranger school everything right. else you're going like with our grad assistants yep. through obc and everything else so you and Noto end up in Ranger School at the same time, right? In different companies or something, right? So, yes. so tell me your, tell me your. And Leon ends up being right behind us. Angle's there too, um, but go ahead. Was Angle a grad assistant? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was. Okay, he was. Uh, okay. I think, I think Rick was at the prep school. I don't think he was at West Point. No, I think he was at West Point because I think it was Noto and Leon were at prep school. Maybe Angle was, I don't think. I, maybe maybe Rick was with John Robb as like the strength. I think so. I think it was yeah. John Robb. Because Mike Mayweather was the football. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you end up going to, going to Ranger School in the summer, which I don't even know how you do that, right, as a big guy. I went in the summer. I, I, I did not go in the summer. I went in the winter, and then I had one – little section that was the summertime actually Kenny Mintz and I were talking about this it turns out he and I were both on the same food resupply day when they cut us back to one meal a day and he and I together were picking up the meals and we're like there's only half there's you know sergeant there's a mistake here there's only half the food here we need to like and I'm like <laughs> summer ranger like it's it's after it's, it's April 1st you're uh and we were like oh my god I don't know so I don't know how we're going to survive but for you to do the whole thing on one meal a day, I don't know how you did that. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it um, it's interesting. It didn't bother me a whole lot. It really didn't because I was so focused. On, I mean, for sure, I ate everything in that MRE pack, like even the creamer from the coffee. Right. Um, if somebody was giving it away, I'm like, I'll take that, right? Um, but I don't remember it being that big a deal. In fact, I remember being really torqued off when we discovered, like, during one of the cycles, one of the – like one of the strongest guys who I thought this guy's just super stud that was in our platoon was stealing food, which to me is like, I mean, you want to talk about taboo of taboos. It's one thing to steal. Okay. That's already bad right there. And it's another thing to steal from your Ranger platoon. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh my gosh, you're taking from like your brother. Like, I mean, that's to me, I was, I mean, I was really, really disappointed chow thieves yeah chow thieves and just, and just surprised brett why don't you tell the story of how you um you almost punched out your ranger instructor 
Oh yeah, that did not work out well for me. Um, I probably I probably could have handled that better, but we were in the desert, like we'd wrapped up. Um, we're in the desert, and the RI is having a changeover, and whoever the new guy is has got a walking stick, and he's striking guys in the squad, and he's and I'm hearing that, and you hear like a weird sound, you hear, oh, and you're like, wait, what's going on? And you see this, and it's getting louder and louder. It's coming to me. And then two thoughts go through my head. Like, first of all, like you're now, you're now tight with these guys. You're all going through this challenging situation. And you're like, you know, there's a, a, a brotherhood that comes out of that piece. And I'm like, you're striking my brother. Like, so now, like, and that's why I go back to the food. Like, I would never take food from any of these guys. And now this third party striking my brother. And I basically look at him like, knock it off. And he's getting ready to hit the guy right next to me. And then I'm next. And, and it wasn't really so much about him hitting me. It was about him hitting um, this, this comrade of mine, his buddy. And, and I look at him and he goes, are you going to do something about it? And I'm like, oh, geez. And, I, you know, we're tired. We're hungry. And I'm like, you know, if, if that, sure, let, let's do that. He goes, great, Ranger. Let's go around the berm. Right. And you got all these berms out in the, in the desert. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, this was the stupidest move. I could have made right first of all let's just go back to like the basics this guy's fresh I'm not second of all I'm probably gonna lose he's cadre I'm gonna get kicked out of ranger school I'm gonna get kicked out of the army like even if and so now I'm thinking I'm just gonna throw right away right I'm gonna throw the first punch and and defend myself and see how this goes well fortunately before any of that can happen another ranger instructor breaks it up tells me to go lay down thank I mean thankfully that all got resolved. So I lay down and uh, get back in line. And I'm like, hey, hopefully that's all right. I don't hold grudges. No big deal. Next day, guess who my ranger instructor is? <laughs> and so I'm a squad leader. And, um, and, and now it's like, all right, well, great. I'm just going to earn his, like, like I'm writing it off. Like, hopefully he's got no bygones. Like, let it go. I'll let it go. I figure we're good. I meet with him, give him my brief, you know, where we're going to put the platoon in and dig in. And it's hot in the desert. You got to, you got to dig in like eight, nine o'clock in the morning before it gets really hot out there. So everybody in our squad, we get our lines, we get lined up. We're doing everything by the book. We're nailing it. We're done. We're probably one of the first squads done come up and I check in with them. I check in with like, who's ever the platoon sergeant at RI. He goes, yeah, those look great. Nice job. And then my instructor comes over and goes, no, yeah, all those positions are all fouled up. You need to move those 24 inches left and deep, which basically means all the guys in the squad that I'm the squad leader for now have to go to work digging when it's now 100 degrees out, not like 85, 90 degrees out, right? It's now 100, 105. And he's trying to get them to peer me out because they're having to go through this, this struggle. And then, but all my guys are great. They all dug in. And no big deal. They're all like, let me know. We got you back on this. We know what's going on. And, um, and then I hear Op 4 coming. I grab, um, I grab two other Rangers. We sign off with the team leader of two star to go, let's go. Why are we going to sit here and wait for Op 4 to hit us? Let's go hit them before they get here. And so we just go cruise to where they're eventually going to have to come to on a road, ambush them, wipe them all out. We're coming back feeling like, you know, 10 men. And then my RI goes, you're dead. I'm like, uh, no, we just had the skirmish over here. <laughs> like it all worked out, it's clear. He's like, no, you're dead and you need to get buried. 
And normally you just sit to the side, right? So no, I don't sit to the side. Like he has me dig myself like a 12 inch <laughs> to my neck. And, and the whole time I'm just, it's not that big a deal. It's just not bothering me. I'm like, I'm sorry. If you think this is what's going to get me to like quit, like, I mean, it's not even close. You're going to have to start doing so much more than this. And I think I go back, I lean back on army football and things at West Point and just, you know, the mental toughness that you had there, this was just not that big a deal. Guys are bringing me water because I can't, it's really hot out. And anyway, so it all resolves and you don't know, you know, you, you're, I'm guessing he failed me on my patrol, right? Um, uh, regardless. So Noto and I are, are sitting there and, um, and here's what's great about, about Anthony midweek, before we get to the end, um, on, on a different day, um, I'd use the restroom. Well, what do you do when you're a ranger school in the middle of the desert? You grab your e-tool and you go into the middle, you dig yourself a cat hole and it's just out there. You're just out in the open. And, and all of a sudden I see this um, skirmish in one of the machine gun positions. And I'm like, what is going on over there? And I got my, I'm on my e-tool and, you know, I got one cheek on there and I'm reading through my ranger book. And I mean, it's actually kind of a nice break. Right, I'm 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 enjoying it, and uh, all of a sudden, this 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 ranger comes running towards me, and it's Noto, <laughs> and he comes out. He's like, "Packers, can you believe this?" I'm like, "What? What do you mean? When's the next time we're gonna be able to take a crap out in the middle of the desert together?" He digs the cat hole, and we're both sitting there just side by side, cheek by cheek, just kind of laughing, and having fun, and like that. I mean, oh my gosh. The context of that, right, is just so, yep. so rich. So then we get, we finish up the desert and uh, we're sitting there, we're sitting in the bunk bed and Ant and I are looking at each other and they start reading off all the names of the guys that are going to recycle. And, um, and we're hearing, uh, you know, you hear Smith, you're like, oh yeah, they, you know, they figured Smith, something happened or uh, Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden they go, Petkiss. And I'm like, oh, geez, Ant, I just got recycled. Like, man, that sucks. Yeah, like that really sucks. So then I go to, and you know, John Cook had done me a big favor. He told me, one, he had challenged me and said, Brett, go for honor grad. And I'm like, John, I just want to get through the school. I don't, I, we don't need to go for that. And he's like, number two, brush your teeth every morning. Um, it's just going to make you just feel uh, civilized and, and it'll, it's great for your emotional health. And number three, Put um, put the uh, the red uh, uh, gosh iodine on any cut you have because your body gets so uh, um, diminished in its capacity to heal itself because you're not eating and you're going so hard. Put iodine on everything. So I was doing all those things, and now I'm like, well, all right, I, you got to go straight through to become an autograph. So that's not that's off the table. And now I'm like, I'm at risk of even finishing this thing now. So then I go and I meet with the uh, the captain. And I'll tell you, this is a lesson learned here. He goes, hey, so he's talking to me. He goes, hey, dude, this is really weird, Petkus, because I'm looking at you've got some of the highest peer ratings, and yet you're getting recycled. I don't understand. Did something happen out there? And, you know, if I was doing it again, I think I owed him an answer that was honest and straight about, hey, you got a problem with one of your ranger instructors acting unprofessionally. And he and I got into it. And I'm whatever you want to do. You want me to recycle, I'll recycle. But that 
that didn't get handled. I didn't handle that well at the time. In fact, what I said was, you know, it is what it is. And, you know. Dude, so do you remember what company you were in? Oh, uh, man. Were uh, you an alpha company? I might have been. So here's the thing. I also got into it with an RI in the, in the desert phase. Oh, wow. And I also got recycled. I also went in front of this captain. His name was, see if this rings a bell, because it's yeah. it so apropos. His name was Captain Justice. J-U-S-T-U-S. And I, I just remember thinking like justice, like this bizarre that his name, like, ju like ju so I basically leveled with this guy. I said, listen, this RI had it out for me. He like, long story short, he punched me in the sole of my foot. When I was like laying in a bunk, like I was laying in the bunk, like we were like we're in um, the in the garrison portion of Ranger School, he punched me in the sole of my foot, and I jumped out of that bed, and I like got fucking nose to nose with this guy, right? And yeah. a same, similar situation, like where it was like, and that guy had it out for me, and he dimed me out, he gave me major minuses, everything else. I passed both my patrols, but I got three major minuses, and I got recycled. And I went out in front of that captain and I told him the story and he moved me on. He said, you're going to move on. You're going to go to the mountain phase. You, you had three major minuses stand, but you go to the mountain phase. And don't you know, when I got to Dahlonega, those guys were looking for me. They're like, where's, oh, where's this? Where's Schleck? Where's Schleck? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I wonder if it could be the same. You tell that story. Just, I wonder. I wonder. No, that's really fascinating. Although I'll think, I, I think God showed up large for me in this case, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, you know, so here I am raking grass or grass, sand, right? We're now, we're now in, you know, now you got to wait for the next group to come through from Benning. So you got like three, four weeks that you're just going to be doing sorts, all sorts of crap duty. And, um, and then I got word the next day. Uh, get called into the office and they say, Petkus, your grandmother has died. And my grandmother, Ruth, was just one of my biggest fans and I adored her and loved her so deeply. And that, if I'd gone on to the mountains, I would not have gone home for her funeral. And I needed that. Like, uh, um, I just needed mm. it. And mm. So all of a sudden, I was able to take emergency leave and go up to Chicago for a funeral for a week and then come back. So for me, in hindsight, like talk about it all working out. It all totally worked out, yeah. right? So That's what they always say, you, you, tell, you tell people all the time, things happen for a reason and you don't know it at the time. No. But when you look back on it, you're like, hmm, that yeah, did for a reason. That's Brett's, like a godlike. Brett's story has been one where there's been div divine intervention woven throughout his whole history, his whole oh, story. So yeah. let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's briefly talk about, I, I, I want to talk about West Point. I want to talk about your extension of your experience at West Point. And then I want to jump to the army and learning about um, having that conversation with your mom. And then we should, we, we should wrap up at that point. So let's, okay. let's, let's talk about West Point. You, you got extended and let's talk about that story and talk about Cal English. So, so tell me that, tell me that uh, story. Sure. So, so it's second semester. Um, right. So I'm done with football and I'm like, I'm really looking forward to senior year, second semester, senior year, getting all my classes. I like every one of my classes and I'm going to have time to focus on them. I'm not having to go work out of practice. I'm, I'm really jazzed about it. And uh, junior year, 
I had gotten a D in uh, Cal English. I had a professor that I, I thought I'd write a paper that would uh, appeal to her. And after I got into the research, I couldn't, I, it was a total contrary view. Um, I'm not saying I should have gotten A, but she gives me a D and it seemed uh, very based on her values being malaligned with the paper, whatever. So I want to get rid of the D. So I, I go and not, and there's a little bit of a process here to retake a class. So I go to the Department of English and I um, ask them if I can retake Cal English. And uh, I had to sit down and have a conversation with one of the professors to sign off. And it was the strangest thing, Jamie, because he said it, to, instead of saying like, yeah, no problem, right? That's what I expected. He looks at me and he goes, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm doing the math on that and I'm like, now that's odd. Why would you as a professor at West Point in the English department ever like suggest to a cadet to not retake a class where you got a D to improve the grade? Like under what pretext would that happen? So I'm confused by it. And um, I basically ask him, I'm like, look, am I gonna be evaluated the same way everybody else is? And he goes, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, then fine. I'll, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be in the middle of my peer group somewhere. I'll, I'll, this will work out just fine for me. Sounds good. He's like, okay. Um, little did I know what was coming up, right? So then I'm, I'm having senior year. I'm having a blast. I'm enjoying academics and, and I'm thriving in my classes. I have my best semester ever. Um, I'm, I'm just crushing it. Like if I was a 2-5 student, I was getting that running at a 3-5. I'm talking to the English professor because we know everything's hanging on this last grade and I'm enjoying the writing and doing the comps and, and this. And I'm, I ask him walking out the door, like and I'm finishing up all the, it's grad week. I think that's my last exam was writing that paper. And, uh, and I ask him like, how do you think I'm gonna do? Cause I'm trying to, I'm doing the math now on, wow, this could be the greatest grade point average I've ever had. It's kind of exciting for me. And uh, I wonder what I'm gonna get. And so I'm figuring it out on these classes and asking me, he's like, Right, you'll probably get a B, you might pull off an A in English, right? I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's a little dynamic because other people evaluate. I'm like, great. So I'm like, done, done with classes. Um, I, I think I'm done a day early. Other people are still doing classes and everybody's cruising out to the boarding barn. I got all my family coming in. Like I'm getting ready to graduate from West Point. Like hallelujah, could not be a more exciting time in my life. I'm having the best semester ever. Um, get out to the boarding barn. And uh, have a blast out there. We're all just whooping it up for a couple of days. And, um, and, and uh, uh, we're on the way back. And I think I pushed the limit a little bit too far. Uh, so while I like to ch challenge myself and challenge limits, uh, I like to tell my kids, like, break records, not rules, right? Break records, not rules. Um, I, I'm on the way home, and I'm exhausted. It's been three or four days of getting after it and partying and having fun. And I'm driving back and I get pulled over and uh, uh, by Nassau County and they decide to do some testing and they, they thought I should spend the night. Uh, I'm hustling to get back for formation on Sunday night, right? And now, like in hindsight, man, I could have just pulled over, grabbed a cab, right? I, um, we could have easily done so many, I could have been late instead of, missing until the next day. So I miss, I, I'm in Nassau, I wake up the next morning, I, I've got Otto's Jeep, I drive back, I'm feeling bad, he doesn't know what's happening, we don't have cell phones. I get back, I get up into my bedroom and uh, with Fitzy and there's a letter from the Dean informing me that I failed English. 
And, and I think, Jamie, I think it's a joke at this point. Like that Cook did this, or I called Cook and I said, John, I don't know if you know what just happened to me. Uh, I'm in a pickle. Um, and I don't know how you, we, we, did you write a letter? And he goes, no, Brett, I got one too. In fact, there's like 200 of us in Cal English that all fail. Fitzy comes back in the room, Fitzy's in the same boat, right? And then I start thinking about, are you, I mean, what in the world? Now, so I, everybody's really mad about the Cal English. However, I've got this other incident that I got to manage. So I'm kind of like, I'm humble pie. I'm like, look, what do you need me to do? I'm, I'm contrite. I, I messed up. I went a little too far on this limit. And um, let, let me know what we got to do. So I'd have probably, prior to that, I probably had 14, 15 hours, right? And then I get a first class board and a massive, you know, 100 hour slug. And then, um, then English, of course, we all come into the auditorium. Half the people are storming out. They're all mad. I'm like, I, I don't even, I can't be mad. I'm lucky I'm still here. So I'm doing my best on that exam, right? And I'm like, okay, well, if that other one went bad, this one I know I got, right? And then all of a sudden, like, and, and what was also really wacky was uh, literally up on the stage, somebody goes, hey, we want you guys to write again. This is diagnostic for summer school. This will not count towards graduation. It's diagnostic for summer school. Just do your best effort. And that's where a bunch of people walked out of the room, right? They're like, you know, screw this, uh, remarkably. Um, so I'm like, look, that, whatever it is, I'm doing it. And then all of a sudden that great, that test was used and they graduated people, right? From that exam, I'm like, wow, talk about some horseradish that's going on. So then, um, so then summer school starts up. Well, then I'm on restriction. Right, I can leave my room for. So wait, so you went from you went from getting ready to graduate to getting extended to summer school. You, oh, like yeah. your family was like on the way in for no, your graduation. My family all came out, and if you remember, like to make it like you you think about this, my family all came out. I told them, I'm basically like, look, I'm incredibly embarrassed and I'm sorry, and not just family, like aunts, uncles, some of my close friends from grade school are coming out because they're kind of wanting to see West Point and participate in all this. And I sit in the stands and watch all you guys graduate. That was, you want to talk about humbling experience. Wow. Everybody throw wow. their hats like, oh. And you're there in the stands. I'm in the stands watching. I'm in the stands watching. Wow. That yeah, had to that be That was fun. tough. And then, and then it rained on our parade. I'm like, come on. Like, like of all the bad things to happen, who cares if it rains on your parade, but it rained on our parade, right? So all of a sudden I think we had, didn't we have to do a uniform change? And they didn't, they weren't even really clear what was happening with me. Like, I didn't know my status. I just was like, I'm just gonna keep, every day I'm just putting my feet on the ground and keep moving, right? Um, and, and coming forward and, and figuring out what's what. And uh, Chaplain Camp, who's a mentor and dear friend, um, that's when, I was talking to him about this and the pickle I got myself in and uh, um, he's like, well, you're taking responsibility for it. You're owning it. You're contrite. So now you got to pray for uh, mercy and grace. And I'm like, uh, aren't those the same things? He's like, no, mercy is when you're spared something that you deserve. And grace is when you're given something you don't deserve. And I'm like, okay, I'm on it. 
I am praying for mercy and grace as this is going through the system and they're trying to decide what happens. So then go through summer school, I'm on restriction, um, literally reading off my essays as an example of, hey, this is a well-written essay, Beckett's nice job, here's a good essay. Had this been uh, an actual exam today, you would have passed. Next day I write an essay and they decide that arbitrarily that's another grading day graduate a bunch of people out of staff. We're, we're like halfway through staff. And I'm like, wait a minute. So yesterday I could write, but today I can't write. Like, I mean, it's just weird. Um, and so now uh, I come back from that and remember like I passed, I passed Cal English as a junior, I got a D. Then my senior year, I, I get this F like along with a bunch of other people. And now, now I got this idea of, well, you know, whoever gets two Fs. Like you get another F, you're gone. So Jamie, I'm rolling up my sleeves, just working my butt off. Like I've got nothing else to do but to learn how to write and and, <laughs> and meet the standard that's been set. But it seems to be kind of flying all over the place. I come back from um, staff and we have our final exam, and I come back in my room and I was flunked. I was failed, and I'm like, I, I mean, I was shocked. I was just, I'm going in getting extra time. Same kind of thing, Brett, you're going to be fine. You are I, almost kind of like, wink, wink, we're not sure even, like maybe this had to do with that thing over in uh, Nassau County when you, uh, um, you know, you were tested and, and found not to meet the standard, um, right? So I'm like, wow. So I'm trying to figure all this out. Um, and it was interesting too, the officers at West Point, you found out real fast, like some of them, as my story's getting out, some of them are allies immediately. Um, and some of them are mad. They're like, you're such an idiot. I'm like, wow, thanks, sir. Um, appreciate that. Well, didn't Al Brenner, wasn't he one of the ones, didn't he fail again too? Yeah, Al Brenner, Kelly Laughlin and I. And he was a remarkable thing that happened with the professor who's now the, the colonel that's teaching the class. He actually tells a story during class about how when he was playing football in high school, he was made fun of because he wasn't hit strong enough. And he always wondered one day if he'd be getting back at some football players or athletes. He said that, look me right in the eyeball and said that. I'm like, sir, are you kidding me? And oh my gosh, Jamie, you know, this is the other, the West family, Holly's mom. Like I'm, I'm in the bummer tent, man. I'm like, wow, I'm getting ready. Now I have to write a letter to the academic board, right? to basically pick, make another essay on arguing why I should get to remain at West Point and graduate. And basically my conclusion is, if you understood the three reasons I just gave you for why I should graduate, hopefully that substantiates that I can write a paper and you'll give me, another, you'll give me, a, you'll give me an extra semester here at West Point. And Holly's mom, um, during that semester, she just, she came up to me, just give me a big hug. And she said, Pepkis, you just, just keep going and you just know if this doesn't work out, there's lots of friends that are attorneys in New York that would love this story. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what that means, right? I'm like, wow, I guess now I'm gonna be suing West Point. Like, I mean, I'll, no, 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 let's, let's, I wanna play ball. Let, I'm playing by the rules. Let's redeem this current situation and get back on course with being a junior officer in the military. So. Um, go through, and uh, then I go out to, 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 to um, I get the, I'm out at Buckner, right? Now, what are you going to do for me for the summer? 
they gave me, here's a quick little anecdote. Um, they give me the duty, I'm pretty good at land nav. They give me the duty of going with the porta potty guy to clean up, to find all the porta potties and clean them, right? And so basically, if, if you're not familiar with this experience, it's in, in essence, it's a massive vacuum cleaner. That's all it is. And yeah. I don't know this, I'm sitting in the front and I'm sitting past, I'm sitting shotgun and I'm walking through and this guy's great from Highland Falls and regular guy and we're having fun getting along. We get to the first one and he's like, hey, so you want to get out and, and, and get up there? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm fine. He's like, no, you're, you're going to want to get out of that seat and sit, get up here, up here. I'm like, uh, I'm not Mamby Pamby, buddy. I'm fine. I'll, I'm, I'll be good. He's like, all right, suit yourself. He gets up, opens up, puts a stick in the, the, the tube in there. Turns oh, like, holy. These fumes, like you run a vacuum cleaner in your house, right? And there, there's that little scent. Imagine that with latrines, with these porta potties. I'm sick. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fast forward, we get into, uh, but then I got to run the boat for skiing. Um, like on one of the lakes, I was taking all the cadets out on, on skiing and, um, then we got into the year and, and then I'm feeling, so, wait, so you failed. So you failed a second time twice and they said, okay, now you got to be a December grad. You're going to get the next semester, first semester of 92. Yes. And so then did you have to take other classes too, on top of yes. the I cow English again for the fourth time. Right, fourth time. Would you pass it the first time with a D? I pass it the first so, time. So you get a D, F, F, and then would you get would you get the fourth time? The fourth time I got a C. All right, we'll take the C. So, <laughs> what other classes did you have to take then that semester? Two other, two other uh, English classes, and yeah. then I had to pick whatever else I wanted. And so I by the by the way, I want to just note we've been on it for two hours, right? We I started. We haven't gotten to anything. I know. We started with like 21 classmates. We're now down to 10 that have hung, that have hung in there. They're still talking. They're still listening. This, you may need to listen on, on, the, on the Apple Pod Bean or Stitcher. So we're not going to shortchange this because there's so many good stories here. So we're going we're gonna to hear them all. But this may be, in fact, the longest old grad podcast on record, which is fine, which is fine. Got to set a record. We got to set a You're always break records, not rules, right? That's you're, right. You're, That's right. <laughs> So what classes did you take? Um, so, so the other two was like, um, literally there are two other English classes. Like one was logic and reasoning. Another one was Cal English. Another one was like expository writing. And then I think I took like uh, an international relations class. And um, I think another systems engineering class. Um, they but were, these were just kind of throwaway classes. They were just easy classes, right? Yeah, no, I, and I, I, was, I mean, and I'll tell you, I thought, I, my experience at West Point, the time I had to study and actually the desire and aptitude without playing football was night and day. But wait a minute. So you're there for the football season that year. Yes. So were you like, what was that like? To I, go thought about being... I thought about raising my hand and said, I still got another year to play. You did? I did. Because I didn't, How could you... didn't start. I was not on the field as a freshman. But you had just lost all the weight. I still have eligibility today, Jamie. I mean, uh, I need... you could still do it another year. Yeah. All right. But you had just lost all the weight. Correct. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. So, you know, I played lacrosse in high school. So I was thinking of actually playing lacrosse. And finally, I'm like, you know, I don't need to add anything else to my plate. I, I am sitting on these two Fs. Nobody's actually not. And, I and a first class board. 
So you're kind of on thin ice, right? Like, Correct. Again, so I'm again, like, I'm just playing it cool. With this subculture of December grads, you've got guys like Brian Mackey who are cadets in good standing, who were like medical. You got, yeah. you've got um, academic challenges and then you've got um, the disciplinary. And you're, you're two of the three, right? So you're right. kind of on thin ice, right? You, you, don't, oh, yeah. you don't, yeah. And so, so what, by the way, you told the story about, the, you went back to E2, class of 92 guys are like, Brett, we got you, no problem. You have your own room. And what happens? Yeah, so I go back to E2 and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna play sport. I'm just gonna focus and I'm gonna serve. And, you know, I had a visit with the comm and, and basically said, look, I messed up on that disciplinary thing. What can I do? I'm happy to tell the story. I'm happy to help folks out, like to understand, like know what your limits are, right? And don't lose alone. I lost alone, right? That's been a wonderful life lesson for me. When you need help, you need to ask for help. And I didn't, I tried to do it on my own and, and I lost. Um, and so uh, I went back to E2 and I said, guys, look, can I just get a room? Give me a phone, put me off in the corner. Uh, I'll get your support, like just leave me. And they're like, Brett, we got you. Like you're all taken care of. We already got a room set up for you. You don't even need a roommate. Just, just chill and have, have enjoy the semester. We're so sorry about what's going on. We heard all the stories, and uh, we're fans of you, and you're good. And then all of a sudden, and I can't remember who it was, who's that uh, company commander, um, the cadet company commander, who's the junior now coming in to me as the as the rising senior. He says, "Brett, I'm so sorry. You have to go over to B1. I've totally undone everything in the room, right? It's just a crap show. I'm like, really." Really, like, stick the guy right in the side again. Uh, I now I'm going to pack everything up. So then I cruise over to B one. Hold on, hold on. Let's just put this back in perspective, right? You have failed Cal English. You watched your classmates graduate in front of you. Yes. You failed it a second time. Yes. You got stuck Watch cleaning. Graduate. You got stuck cleaning shitters at Buckner, right? <laughs> <laughs> like there. They're just piling shit on you. Like, did you feel like you're being tested? Like, like, did you feel like you're being tested? Thinking about like, I know you're also a very spiritual person. You talk about chaplain camp and everything else. Like, did you feel like, God, like, what, what are you doing to me? Like, what, what's happening here? I, I absolutely, I did. I knew I was being tested and I was being tested. And, and it's funny, right? Like some of that stuff, some of it was my own doing. Some of it wasn't right. Um, but for sure, I was being tested. And I, I remember even a prayer one time where I'm like, yeah, what in, what in the world am I going to do? And I just remember saying, Lord, I want to graduate from this place. I want to go serve as a junior officer in the U.S. Army. I want to go to Ranger School. I want to go to Airborne School. I want to get out there and go. But you know what? If not, I'll just go become a Marine. Like, I'll go that route. And uh, like, I, I don't know, that's like, well, I'm not, if the army won't have me, well, at least I'm going to go where somebody will. So let's, we'll figure that out next. And um, I don't know. I just remember that being a very convicting, I was going to go serve as a junior officer one way or, or another. Um, right. So Jamie, you know what the, the funniest part of the entire story of that whole story of the passing cow English, failing two cow Englishes and then passing with a C oh, yeah. is fast forward six, seven years later, or four or five years later, I guess when Brett was still in, tell yeah. him who you got a, tell him who got, you got a letter from. I'm at Fort Sill. I'm at Fort Sill. We've redeployed from the States. I'm, I'm like five years in. So I'm coming up on the five-year mark. It's time to go to advanced course. I'm uh, rooming with Phil Scher and uh, um, um, 
John, uh, John Hurst, Chris Lepp is there. Uh, we're all just um, having a blast being junior officers in Fort Sill. We're volunteers for the Medicine Park Fire Department. We're also, I come in, I'm, life's good. I, I find this letter from West Point and I open it up and it's from the Department of English. And the Department of English would like me to return back to West Point to be a professor. <laughs> believe it. I mean, you're ready to firebomb. You're gonna firebomb the place. They did. I think they did a search of the database and said who took the most English classes, and yeah. we're gonna invite that person back. They just didn't look at the grades. Yeah. Hey, so tell the story. Brian Mackey tells a story. He says there is no finer moment at West Point. Is then when Al Brenner found out to be past cow English and he was he so you and Al Brenner you and uh, Brian Mackey were in the room checking his grade and Al Brenner was at the he was at the rink skating because that was just his way to blow off steam which is skating yeah. right yeah so, so tell us about that so moment. I, I don't remember it as well as Brian does but what I do remember is we're all in it together and, and Mackey was, I don't think Mackey was there because I can't remember if he's there from Cal English or not. He was there for a medical. He was there for medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so it's me. It's, uh, um, and there's a wrestler there. Oh man, I can't believe I forget his name. It's, um, there's three of us. There are only three core squad athletes that they failed twice through, through the, the senior year and then through staff. Um, oh my gosh. He, he's, uh, come on, help me with the wrestler that was there. I thought it Rob was Meldrum, Kelly. Tim Driscoll, Kelly Laughlin. Kelly Laughlin. Yeah, Ke Kelly Laughlin. Yeah. Kelly Laughlin. And Kelly had like a three five great point. Yeah, no, he, Kelly, Kelly was like practically a star man. He's right? a PhD. He's a right. PhD. PhD. Right. But he came yes. Dr. Kelly Laughlin. Yeah. So he's kind of laughing through it all. I'm kind of like, um, I mean, you've kind of heard my point. And I'm again, I because I got the disciplinary thing, I'm kind of on a straight and narrow. Al's banged up. He's like, what in the world? Like, he's not feeling very good about it. And so we're checking the grades and we see that Al passed and got a hold of him and let him know. And it was just uh, an amazing moment, right? Um, when we all knew that we're moving forward and, uh, and, and putting this chapter behind us. Again, I wish that I had had the, force, the, the thought process to go up there when you guys graduated. Because I, I was, was probably there. home for Christmas. You were there? Yeah, because yeah, we were still there. grad assistants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that must have been magnificent, right? Being yeah. there for them. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was, mm -hmm. it was precious. And Brett's family came in. Brett's family came in for that one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got right. the graduation. Speaking, yeah. speaking of your family, Brett. So we're gonna fast forward to a few more years later. You're in the army. If yep. you're still with us, the nine or ten of a ten of you that are still with us, if you're listening on Podbean, this has been a long time. But hang on, this is a very interesting story worth worth listening for. So you are now a captain or senior first lieutenant in the army. Yep. And your mom says, I gotta have a conversation with you. And you're yeah, very concerned. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in Germany. I'm stationed in Germany. I'm coming home for Christmas. And mom says, Hey, uh, glad you're home. You know, um, hey, this week we need to sit down and have lunch. We got something to talk about. I'm like, whoa. So I'm thinking somebody's dying. Somebody's got cancer. There's some bad news on the horizon. And uh, so it's like two days later, we sit down, we're having lunch and we're talking. And she goes, so I, I've got something I want to tell you. And that's that uh, when I was in college, I got pregnant and I had a baby and you have an older brother. 
and uh, hold on hold on let's see let that sink in for a second so how did she uh, so so because you grew up with well, you grew up with a younger sister yes so was your younger sister with you at this at the same lunch no no so my she wasn't my mom wanted to tell me one-on-one my dad had always known right sister was next she was going to grab lunch the next or whatever later that day was so there. you wait wait so so you knew this she was like don't tell your little sister. I'm going to tell her tomorrow. You had like, you had like hold the secret. I think it was, I think it was almost implied. Like I'm talking to Rachel later today. Wow. And, and for me, so was, how does she bring this? I mean, like, was your dad there too? Or was it just your mom? No, no, it's just my mom. And my and, mom, the reason the, the impetus for it was it was on her heart to reach out to him and let her, let this, this boy, young man know who she was. And she was almost asking my mom, was asking my permission and I'm like mom that's not you don't you don't I don't I don't get a vote in this if this is something you want to do that's something for you to do and I'm supportive of that 100%. so she had not been in contact yet with this with this no. young man no she said I'm going to look I'm going to try to find him yeah she was kind of looking for my blessing on it and that's why I clarified like you don't this is nothing Rachel and I and dad don't have a choice this is yours so like, that were you just blown away with this? I mean, what, like, first of all, were you relieved to know that nobody's dying? And then, yeah, and I was then... relieved, but it's also, I ran through a bunch of emotions. I mean, later today, um, I mean, it's amazing, right? Uh, but at the time, it was really hard for me to get my mind wrapped around that my mom had gotten pregnant outside of marriage and that that's kind of taboo. When you think about it, that would have happened when it was even way more taboo. And as I unpack the story in her family, her own sister didn't know about it, right? So that it was a family secret. And she was, her parents had her moved away to go be a nanny so that nobody found out that she was pregnant. Where did she go? Fortunately, they supported her having the baby, but uh, where, did, where, did she, where did she go to become a nanny? Oh, like other side of town, right? Really? So I, and I think, and I don't have all the time you down exactly, Jamie, at some point I'm like, okay, I, I've got enough information. I think they were on the South side and they might've moved to the North side of town because of that um, incident, right? Where the news is out. What do you do? Uh, what, so did the news get out that, that she was pregnant? She like, the, the, I don't the, think so. I, okay. I, I really don't know. Like when she was in high school or college, no. But, by the way, this is bizarre because my high school girlfriend has a very parallel story. Like, like the same thing happened. Her mom basically said, you know, I became pregnant. I gave up this, this baby for adoption. She actually, my high school girlfriend, um, she was like one eighth or one quarter Cherokee Indian. Oh, wow. So it was like in a Cherokee nation. They like moved yeah. her to another Indian nation and she had the baby gave it up for adoption and then came back. And then, so, oh yeah, bizarro. But anyway, getting back to your story. So you, yeah. you find so, out. Like, so she, so so my mom ends up having lunch with this gentleman, Eric Galbush. Um, Eric, to his credit, brings flowers to the lunch and says, thank you for my life. Incredibly humble and gracious with my mom. I'm like, wow, this guy rocks. I'm back in Germany. And so he and I are starting to send, you know, emails just, I mean, it's 90, what is it, 95? Yeah. Right? So emails just starting to come out a little bit. I think I'm sending them snail mail letters. Maybe I'm writing them on Microsoft Word, trying to just introduce myself and looking forward to meeting him. And then that summer I came home and we met. And and it was um it was just easy. 
Really? It's easy. So you met this guy. So where'd you meet him? We met. Uh, so my mom kind of set it up at a place in uh, Michigan um, where we always went in the summer. So Union Pier, Michigan is a little resort area that uh, we met. And um, we just, it was, I'll tell you what the coolest part is. It was really easy for me to be the younger brother and for him to be the older brother. And I, I, I can't tell you why. It's not like we read a book or a manual or got some insider guidance. We just gelled right away. And we became fast friends. I mean, we made up for uh, uh, whatever, 25 years, 28 years of not having known each other um, big and fast. Like all of a sudden our friends are all getting together. And then, then, I, then when I, um, I redeploy back to Oklahoma, he comes down and visits me there at Fort Sill. We're taking vacations together. We go see my sister out in California, go climb around in, uh, um, in the desert out there and do some climbing. She's a rock climber and we're doing that and just having a blast. And, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, we're, we're becoming so close when, when I got engaged to Becky, there's, a, there's only one guy I knew was going to be my best man. And that was Eric, my brother. Right. Um, and so he's the best man at my wedding. And then he got chills. I just got chills. As you said that I like, there's literally the hair standing up on my, on my arm right here. So he was, he was your best man. Yes. Incredible. How much older is he than you? Five years. Five, Five how years. Much, how much that had that just must warm your mom's heart. Oh, totally. You know, and it, and it's just rich. I mean, and 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 his mom and dad. His dad was around for a couple of years, and then he passed. And then, mom, like, we all did Christmas together. We all family together, and it became really obvious, right, that his mom was his mom. My mom was a birth mom. She wasn't, but she didn't raise him, right? She, but she gave birth to him, and that's really special. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been an amazing blessing uh, to have him in my life. Unbelievable treasure. And this this whole thing happened at a very pivotal time in your in your life as well, right? You had just gone through a tough breakup. You're in yeah. Germany, and you said when you found this out, it was like such an emotional. Like it was a deluge of emotion. It, it was. So before I met Becky, I was engaged uh, to this gal in, in Chicago. And Eric and I had actually been together at a street fair when we had met. So he was, you know, a, a part of this relationship. We dated for a while. I thought. What was her name, Becky? I mean, Brent, what was her name? Uh, Adria. I met her. She was the yep. cop, right? Yep, that's right. That's yeah. right. She was running an attack unit, um, doing kind of the special stuff for the police department. Um, and you know, in the relationship, and this is a good example of me doing it my way instead of God's way. Um, I, I just wasn't really clear. I didn't have a lot of good doctrine or understanding of what God calls out for doing relationships. And, uh, so I'm figuring it out and I'm figuring, Hey, it's not going the right way. So we'll get engaged. She'll see I'm, my commitment's high and that'll fix things. And that didn't fix things. And then we called off the engagement and then my brother calls the next day and he goes, Hey, how you doing? And I'm feeling like I'm doing good and we're catching up. And he goes, hey, how things with Adria? And I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't even speak. And I just end up having, um, I think we were talking about this, Jamie, a category four cry, right? Where I'm just sobbing, uncontrolled. I couldn't even finish the conversation. I just hung up the phone and bawled uncontrollably for probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, seemed like forever. 
and just cried out to God, like, how, why was my heart in too? Like, and I, I mean, what am I, how am I doing this so wrong? And that just started a real significant course of me. Like I'd already had a faith. I always, I always understood like an experience of God, but I didn't have a lot of good doctrine. I did not have a lot of head knowledge on how do you practically apply your faith? What does that look like? I had questions I hadn't gotten answered. And that, it was a season, it forced me to dive in to just make sure I got every question answered about, about my faith and just have intellectual honesty about where, where I was with God. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was heavy. So Brett, we've been talking for uh, two hours and 18 minutes this is a long, long interview, which is fine. You know, I mean, Joe Rogan can go for four hours, right? So we can right. go a little bit beyond the hour and a half. But I want to I want to talk about two more stories and then I want to wrap up with your final thoughts. Right. So there's two things that we have to talk about, okay. which is the, the Superman underwear incident yeah. <laughs> and Tommy Lasorda football banquet NTC rotation. So tell me. Tell me those two stories, and then we'll hear your final reflection. So, okay, one, one of them is pretty quick. Uh, and you sure you don't want to hear about the field testing on aerodynamics John Gerald did out of the back of my Jeep? Maybe we could hear about that, too. Why not? We can okay. just keep All on right, going. We, we'll, we'll make that over to you. So the, All right. We've been coming back. I'll tell you, as I get older and older, I'm more and more thankful and grateful for the fact that I had the opportunity to go to West Point. And what a treasure. What, what a national treasure. What a world treasure. Um, and, uh, and it's just every year, every year I get back and I get back. Um, what's fun is I get back to a army football golf outing and Nodo and Rob and Leon and Chambers and in and out Benny and angle and other guys have come up, um, Nadolski, right. Um, has been up there, Rhea Roan, um, um, Magavro, uh, anyways, we come up and we're whooping it up on, uh, um, Friday night, we get up and golf Saturday. So it's Friday night. We're staying in the Thayer. We're out. Um, and how much fun is it that now the Thayer's got this like little outside deck where you can have Zulu lounge, right? So we're out having yeah. a party in and have fun. And I go to bed. Mark and, and I join them just about every year, Jamie. Right, it's totally. Like Holly shows up and, every year. And, and sometimes we go out to Southgate and Benny's and stuff like that after. <laughs> exactly right. Now what's key is a part of our, 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 our process every year, our protocols earlier in the day on Friday, we're at Noto's club and we all golf and just kind of have our small group golfs alone on Friday. And then we get into the locker room. And of course there's all the banter horse uh, uh, radish that goes on in, in a locker room. And that's where I don my Superman butt hugger uh, underwear, right. That have like 50 images of Superman flying around and, you know, I'm showing them off in the locker room and, and uh, having fun with these and, um, getting some good laughs, and then we all dress up and head in, head back to West Point. We go see the guys at the football banquet, or or part of the Friday night kickoff, and then we're at the Zulu Lounge. And now we've gotten up to the room, and I'm going to bed. And I think it's probably like I don't know, midnight, maybe one, one o'clock in the morning. Oh, I think it was like two, maybe. Could, could have been two, could have been two. And uh, and I go to bed. And you've had you've had a few beverages. You've had a, you've had a few beverages at this point, right? So there's a, few a lot, beverages. There's a lot of liquid. There's a lot Lots of to celebrate, a lot yeah. to celebrate. And uh, so we, we go to bed and I get up, I have to go to the bathroom. Well, I get up and I'm not going to turn on the light, right? And impose on my roommate. And I find the door to the bathroom and I push it open. And I'm still kind of, my eyes are closed and I'm like, oh, it's kind of wild. And I get out there and all of a sudden the door to the bathroom slams shut. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? And I discover I'm in the hallway 
hotel there. I'm not in the bathroom. I found the wrong door. Found in the hallway in my butt hugger Superman underwear, right? And I knock on the door and all I hear is Chambers snoring. I can just hear him snoring away. I'm like, so now what are your options, right? Like, um, there's no, I mean, I can pound on the door. It's not going to do anything. So I'm like, all right, this is it. I just got to suck it up, go beeline down to the lobby, get a new key and head back up and go to bed. So I'm like, all right, I get my plan. I brief myself, right? I got my op order situation, got all figured out, ready to execute. We uh, take off, hit the button, go down the elevator, door opens. And I'm hoping there's nobody in the lobby. So now it's probably 4 a.m., right? I maybe slept a couple hours. Of course, there's like 10 years younger, like 10 army football players on the lobby right in front of the fireplace, right at the hotel there. And now I got to walk in front of them. And I've, I've probably seen them that night. I'm definitely going to see them the next day. Unfortunately, I don't know who any of them are. But I come out and they just see me face. They see me and they're just looking at me like, are you okay? I mean, they're kind of checking in like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm all right. All right, good. We're, then we're going to have fun watching what happens next. So then I walk up to the counter and this poor guy, the guy's got the late shift at the hotel there. Man, I don't think he ever saw this coming. But all of a sudden, I'm pretty much there almost naked, save the butt hoggers, which he can't even see because it's below the counter. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry to bother you. Last name is Petkus. I need a room key. If you give me a key, I'll get it. No questions asked. He's like, done. He probably processed the key the fastest he ever had in his life. And uh, of course, I moved on and went to bed. He didn't I, ask you for ID or anything, so right? Weird, like, but... normally you have to show ID. I guess you realize you're sitting there in your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ID. I think I even said that. Like, as you can probably tell, I don't have any ID. Right? <laughs> Thankfully, because can you imagine if he's like, look, you need to get some ID. Like, what yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, so tell me tell me the Tommy Lasorda or uh or John Garrell story. Uh, yeah, let me tell the uh I'll tell the John Garrell one real quick. We're coming back from West Point. We're trying to again make it back uh, in time for the Sunday night. Uh, there's maybe a theme here. Trying to make it back Sunday night. We're cruising up the Palisades. And it's my Jeep, and my Jeep's having trouble. The um, the thermostat's running hot. And as, you, as many of you guys may know, when your uh, thermostat's running hot, the last thing you want to do is pull over. Because as soon as you pull over, it's over, right? You're going to have to, now it's time to get to a repair shop and get it fixed. And I'm like, our last stop is going to be pulling into the lot, the park, to go down to school into formation. And so um, we're driving in, we're driving in, and, uh, and Gerald's in the back of the Jeep, and he's like, Right, you understand, I really got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, John, I'm not pulling over. I got, I've already told you what's happened. Like, if we pull over, we're screwed. So we're going to keep going. And he holds, he's like, right, I really got to go. I'm like, John, we're not, I'm not pulling over. You got to pull, I'm not pulling over. Finally knocks on me, you guys like, right, I got to go. I'm like, John, just go out the back. Like the top's down on the Jeep. I can't remember who's sitting passenger. We should find out and survey everybody. But, but I don't know if it's Cook or or uh, Bourne or who it was. They hold on to Gerald, and I'm figuring, like, okay, there'll be a little bit of blowback, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen until you do a field test, right? So John goes to the bathroom out to the back, and, and you guys know he's an aero major, right? So I, I'm not sure if this is part of his uh, 
senior study to show what happens with fluid in the back of a Jeep. But I can tell you what happens is that it immediately covers everything. So now it's like we're driving and now it goes in my eyes and now it makes me laugh and now it's in my mouth and now it's everywhere. It's just, and there's no, there's no stopping it. Oh my God. There's no stopping it. And this probably was the largest deposit of urine that had been sitting in Gerald's um, track for a while. Like it's two minutes at least of this going on. Oh my you can't God. stop once you realized it was happening and you're like, stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't you pull over. It. We just got to Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was hysterical. Hysterical. All right. Tell me about Tommy Lasorda. So Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda, you know, it's pretty amazing at the football bank when he shows up. I think it's like my sophomore year and um, Jim Young has a man or junior year. And Tommy Lasorda just goes, I love you guys. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love what you're doing for our country. If you are ever in Los Angeles and you need tickets, you just come look me up. We'll get it all squared away and get it taken care of. So I'm like, okay, that's nice. What a nice, you know, I'll never be able to call in that chip. And, and, and come on, we've got all sorts of people come and say they love us, we'll see what happens. So, you know, I make it through all the stuff with Kelly. So I graduate, I go to OBC, I go to Germany, I come back. We're having a rotation out in, I don't think it was NTC. What's the other site that's out there? There's another JRTC. No, NTC is the only place that's out. I mean, there used to be Fort Ord was out there. Was it Fort Ord? So maybe it's NTC. Presidio was out there for a while. Yeah. Fort Irwin. We we go through this whole thing. We go through our exercises and we crush it. And we get done with all the tasks like three days ahead of time. And in good old army fashion, right? Hurry up and wait, right? So we crushed and they're like, I'm like, well, now what? And they're like, look, you guys, your unit really outperformed, really well done. You're, you're ahead of schedule, you guys did great. Um, here's the thing though, we got three days before we're flying back. So, you know, in, enjoy your stay out here in the middle of doing, of the do nothing like desert, right? <laughs> and I'm like, hold on a second. And this is before cell phones. I'm like, how far are we from LA? We're like two, three hours. I'm like, sir, can I get a 20-passenger bus or van? What do you need? I'm, I, in fact, I might need two. And he's like, what are you talking about? So I go to the operations desk, and um, and the major in there, actually, I knew him from Germany. We knew each other. I'm like, sir, what's going on? He's like, Pecus, what's up? Hey, I heard you guys had a good run. Good job. I'm like, thank you, sir. So I'm, I need to borrow a phone. He's like, why do you need a phone? Well, I need to call Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> right? So he looks at me like I'm just out of my mind. And I'm like, he's like, Pecus, what are you talking about? I'm like, sir, look, I've got, I got a commitment. I think I've got two vans full of uh, soldiers that we can bring into LA and go see a Dodgers game. I found out they're in town and I want to get a hold of this order and see if we can get some tickets. And he's like, you're out of your mind. Do you know what happened today? I'm like, no, sir. I've been out in the field. Like what happened? Tommy Lasorda announced his retirement today. I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. He's like, yeah, Pecus, that's, that's ridiculous. I'm like, sorry, sir. I still want to make that phone call. <laughs> Look, why would you do that on his retirement? Brett, there's no way, Pecus, there's no way he's going to respond to this. Roger, sir, gotcha. Still, can I borrow that phone? I want to make that call. So I get on the call. I, I, I just call information, get to the LA Dodgers and ask for Lasorda's office. I talk to an admin there and I just tell the story. 
They say, my name is Brett Petkus. I'm a captain here. We're stationed. I've got two vans full of soldiers, probably got about 20, 30 soldiers. We'd like coming to LA. Mr. Lasorda, when Coach Lasorda was at Army, he made this commitment some eight years ago. I, I realize he's retiring today and it's probably not going to happen, but I thought I'd at least make the ask. And she goes, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what happened. I hang up. Major's kind of laughing at me like others. You're, I mean, I can't even believe you wasted your time when that phone call is kind of the look I'm getting. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's probably a long shot. So I go back to the unit and these guys are now knowing what I'm going after. So now they're all like, we want to get out of here. Are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing? I'm like, well, I'm trying to make it happen. He's like, well, what if it doesn't happen? Can we still get out of here and go to LA and goof off or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know, guys, we'll see. So sure enough, three hours later, talk about the incredible integrity and character of Tommy Lasorda, that the culture of that office was such that when a call comes in on the day he's retiring, like, I don't know if it ever made it to him or not, but they executed on it. They said, Roger, come on in. We got 30 tickets. We're taking care of lunch. We're taking care of your seats. We'll get you in these really, really cool section and on and on and on. Can't wait to have you as, our, as, as Mr. Lasorda's guest. Isn't that amazing? I wow. mean, Incredible. That, that's Incredible. the kind of man I want to be. That You know, you you put that stuff out there and you just want, you want that to be able to show up large, right? Hey, but it made me think about, did you guys see Coach K's last game last night? Yes. Oh, How man. awesome was that? Incredible. Incredible. It was, it was similar to that. Like, what an amazing, what incredible loyalty and admiration they have for Coach K and yeah. his family. It was just to see him there. And then he also, he held up his West Point ring. He said, like, you know, I'm married to my family first. You know, I love my alma mater. And he yeah. had his, he had his, his ring replaced where he, I guess he, his, his uh, stone got damaged and right. he put a blue star sapphire for, for Duke in his, uh, in his ring. He, it was great. I mean, that guy is like the best, the best. I was looking, I only, I saw General Dempsey in the crowd. I didn't see anybody else that yeah. I recognized, but I imagine General Brooks and General Brown were there who both played for him, but I didn't, I didn't see anything. So yeah. I, I didn't see them. My favorite part of that last night was when he first started off since he had lost and he came out and he apologized and said that was unacceptable. And everyone was kind of like, Oh, and he's like, no, listen to me. He goes, I'm sorry. That was unacceptable. And this season's not over. That yeah. was awesome. He was he mad. Said, that they lost. He said the season's acceptable, but tonight was unacceptable. And then yep. he, he also talked to the, he also talked to his team and he said, even though I just yelled at you guys, I love you. And yeah. he said, and he looked up because he, he had all of his grad, all of his players who played for him in the years before. And he goes, you know, these guys played like hell tonight, but don't think for a second that you didn't play like hell also at some point. <laughs> like he, he, like it was really, yeah. it's really good. Like he's saying, like, don't give these guys a hard time because you know, you guys had bad days as well. So it was um, probably not the storybook finish for him by beating UNC. Yeah. But in many respects, it probably was the best reflection of him and yeah, the values that he holds. Yeah. Who he right. is, you know, he wasn't going to sugarcoat this and say, I'm happy to lose the UNC. He said, you know, and then he went on to talk about all of the values and how much he loves his family. It was, it was great to see. Yeah, no, it was really uh, really kind of a neat, neat ending. 
It was awesome. So Brett, we've been talking for two hours and 30 minutes. So this is the, the longest old grad podcast ever. I knew this, I knew you would not disappoint, but <laughs> as we, we're going to bring this to a close, I'm going to give you the mic for the final, the final set of reflections, your thoughts to leave with our class, your reflections on anything tonight, your career, West Point, et cetera. The mic is yours. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. And thank you, Holly. And, um, and I think that's the first place that I go to. Um, grateful. Uh, I'm just grateful to so many of our classmates, the friendships, the experience. Um, when I just reflect on all that, I'm, it's just so rich and um, so, so well past what I could have ever thought or imagined um, it would be. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful. I guess the other piece, I challenge everybody to serve others and be servant leaders and, um, and to pursue mastery of whatever, whatever it is that you're going after. And so many of our classmates are doing so many other things, like to include this podcast, Jamie, like it's not like you're the podcast master, but you got started. You took the initiative. You're doing it. I love it. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I'd say listen to the right voice. There's a lot of voices. I've listened to the wrong one before, made bad calls, right? Make sure you got the right voice that you're listening to and win all day long, but uh, never lose on your own, right? When you, when you need help, reach out, right? I think that ties into some of the other podcasts I've heard about, even some of the suicide stuff that we know is going on, right? Like something's going on, reach out, get help. Like so many of us are here and willing to do that. Um, be smart with your time because you can never save your time. You can save money, but you can't save time. Um, let's esteem, treasure, and protect families. They're so, so essential to everything that our world, our country is. Um, and then I guess the last one I challenge everybody is to make sure you know what the gospel is and why it's called the good news. Um, like a parent loves a child. Uh, I, I believe Father God loves every one of us like this and, and wants to, to know and love us. So uh, if you got any question marks on there, I'm always available for that conversation. So thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Holly. What an awesome treat to share uh, even the process of all those stories. It's been wonderful. Well, Brett, you've been awesome tonight. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Ograd podcast. I knew I knew we would probably run long tonight. I knew we would have a great time. Um, thank you for being on this old grad podcast. And uh, to our classmates, duty shall be done. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.